0: It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with...
1: The Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, January 26, 2015. Hello again, everyone. I'm Ariel Hawani. inside our New York City studio. Outside, it is snowing. The smart people who work for all the news channels are saying that This is the blizzard of the century. It hasn't quite started, it's snowing right now, but a lot of people are freaking out. In fact, I just read on Twitter that the governor of New York, Governor Cuomo has just declared a state of emergency. Everyone is freaking out. They're closing the trains, shutting everything down. Everyone's going home, everyone's running for safety, but guess what? We have stared the storm in the eye And we are here doing this show live. Now, if you're watching the show live, you know that we're starting 30 minutes earlier because just in case things get a little messy at around 3 o'clock, we thought, well, it'd be better to do the questions, comments, all that stuff at the beginning of the show so that we can get everyone home safe. So we're not shortchanging you. We're just starting the show a little earlier. And if you watch the show after the fact, you download it, this won't really affect you all that much other than the fact that the questions are happening at the beginning of the show. But we wanted to do the show today, my friends, because there is so much to talk about. Screw the weather. Screw safety. We need to talk about some fighting. Of course, I just got back from Stockholm, Sweden. And let me tell you, Stockholm is an unbelievable city. If you have never been to Sweden, I highly recommend taking a trip. Now, this isn't the, uh, the peak season, if you will. In fact, the plane was pretty empty going down there or over there. I hear the summertime's beautiful, but it was actually really beautiful mid-January. Other than the fact that the sun rises at 8.15 and sets at 3.45, I was trying to stay on New York time the whole time because the event was happening at 4 a.m. Uh, Sunday morning. So I would go to bed at like 6 a.m., which is really 12 a.m. Um, here in the United States, East Coast time, wake up at around 3.45 or so. On on Saturday, I didn't even see the sun. When I woke up, the sun was setting. It was very bizarre. But a very, very memorable evening or morning in uh, in Stockholm. Of course, once again, these Swedish fighters not doing too well. I believe since uh, since the last event in October, they're now... in Sweden, and none bigger, of course, than Alexander Gustafsson, who lost to Rumble Johnson, dominated, annihilated, obliterated by Rumble Johnson. In my opinion, that fight should have been stopped earlier. Mark Goddard gave Alexander Gustafsson every opportunity to recover. Um, and I think he didn't want to be that guy to end the fight early in Sweden, uh, especially after what happened in the Dan Henderson fight in the co-main event. He gave him a lot of chances. By the end, you know, Gustafsson's head was flopping up and down. Of course, it was the right call. In my opinion, he took some unnecessary blows, but the big story, of course, is that Anthony Rumble Johnson is now the number one contender in the UFC light heavyweight division. He's going to fight John Jones next. He present- presents a whole new set of challenges for John Jones. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. He has a lot of power. He's a dangerous man. He's a scary man. And what he did to Alexander Gustafsson in front of almost thirty thousand people, a lot of them from Sweden, you know that that event was the second biggest in UFC history, uh, the biggest outside of North America. Ticket sales coming from forty four different countries, but it was very important for Swedish MMA. In fact, you may have heard me talking about this on the Fox broadcast. How about that? Getting a little airtime on the fox broadcast that was a lot of fun with the fans did you see that the sweeping camera all around it was it was a career highlight for me no doubt um and they all went home kind of kind of shocked it was a stunned silence in the air at the tele2 arena everyone very surprised everyone very sad about Gustafson. no one's sadder than Gustafson himself so now it's rumble johnson versus john jones next also, Geger Mousasi picking up a big win over Dan Henderson. That was controversial. Ryan Bader getting over the hump, defeating Phil Davis. And on the main card, Sam Sicilia defeating Akira Korsani. Sweden is in the books. We're going to talk about it all show long. But also, we have to talk about what's happening this Saturday. The train rolls along for the UFC. It never stops. And this completes one of the more interesting months in UFC history. These two men right over there. You see them facing off? Very rare that we actually have... Both guys fighting in the main event. Anderson Silva right over there. Nick Diaz right over there. This is a fight that was announced in around July or August of last year. When they said January 31st, that felt like an eternity. And now here we are just days away from one of the more anticipated fights in recent UFC history. Two guys who have very passionate fan bases, former UFC middleweight champion Anderson Silva, former Strike Force welterweight champion Nick Diaz, both guys coming off very long layoffs. At one point, we didn't know if they'd ever fight again, especially Anderson. It's amazing to think that you know a year and a month ago, this guy broke his leg in the most gruesome fashion possible. It was dangling. And we were on this show talking about him never fighting again, potentially. Now here he is, five days away from fighting Nick Diaz. It's unbelievable. And it's a great card, too. In fact, I think the, the Fox Sports 1 prelims are more interesting on the whole than the main card fights. McMahon, Tate, Lineker against Ian McCall, those are very important fights in their respective divisions. So a good night coming up in Las Vegas. We'll talk about that as well. Who's joining us on today's show? At 3.05, we're going to talk to Sarah McMahon, the aforementioned Sarah McMahon has a very big fight against Misha Tate. It's going down on the Fox Sports 1 prelims. Both of them big names in the UFC women's 135-pound division. Undefeated welterweight prospect Jake Matthews will be stopping by at around 2:45 Eastern Time, 6:45 a.m. Tuesday morning in Melbourne which is where he currently resides, and and it's a very international show today. We've got a guy from Australia, we've got a guy from Sweden stopping by, and a young lady from Scotland. At 2.25, we'll be talking to Daniel Cormier. What's next for him? John Jones asking the public via Twitter. We'll talk to him about what happened in Sweden. He was there, of course, alongside Brian Stan, John Anik, the whole team. It was a lot of fun working with those guys until the wee hours of the morning. Uh, 2.05, we're going to talk to Makwan Khani. This guy is an overnight sensation. People love watching him eat apples and plums. It's unbelievable. Defeated Andy Ogle in eight seconds. Mr. Finland, he calls himself uh, a very interesting character, a new face for the UFC, and the man knows how to sell himself. Looking forward to having him on the show for the first time. One we we're going to talk to Joanne Calderwood. Uh, she, of course, from The Ultimate Fighter Season 20, won her UFC debut in December. UFC announcing on Friday that they are going to Scotland, her home country, in July. But I think she wants to fight before that. We'll talk to her about all of that. 125, we're going to talk to Talis Ladies, who returns to action this Saturday against Tim Boach. He is on a roll, my friends. He was released from the UFC since then. Uh, he's only lost once. He got back into the UFC a year and a half ago, and he hasn't lost since. Has looked very good as of late. And then at 1 o'clock, we're going to talk to Dominic Cruz coming off of another knee surgery. Also talk to him about his teammates, Phil Davis and Alexander Gustafson, losing on Saturday night, where they go from there, and uh, what's next for him, his recovery, and all that good stuff. Maybe even get his thoughts on Nick Diaz and Anderson Silva. He's such a great analyst. But as I mentioned, we're going to take your questions and comments, talk a little bit beforehand, because we wanted to start the show early. Mr. New York Rick, how are you?
0: I'm doing well. How about you?
1: I'm doing great. I heard that you had a great night on Saturday. And by the way, you're very popular in Sweden. A lot of people asking me, where's New York Rick? How's New York Rick? Say hello to New York Rick. One man in particular had a request for you. He said, can you please tell New York Rick to stop licking his lips when he speaks? What do you have to say about that? Do you think that you lick him too much? Uh, no. You don't? I Why got did it someone from, say that?
0: I got it from the one and only New York uh, legend, LL Cool J. Oh, that's right. Ladies love cool James. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't consciously do it, um, but uh, I'll take it into advisement. I'll try and uh, see if I can cut it out. How do uh, you feel
1: about the blizzard of
0: twenty fifteen? Not worried at all. To are be are you
1: free, You know, this is this is a typical June afternoon in Montreal. Just for the record.
0: Well, I mean, I, I don't know if I would say that just because. No, you know, no, no, I'll in, say it. In New York, the things shut down differently. Uh, if the subway's not running, it doesn't really matter. Um, you know, in Montreal, it's different than, the commute is different than in New York. If, if the subway shut down, it is going to be a problem. Um, if the buses shut down, it's going to be a problem. But I don't, I'm not worried at this point, to be honest with you. I know a lot of people are freaking out. I'm not really freaking out.
1: You hear that, my friends? You hear that, citizens of New York? New York Rick, your very own New York Rick is not freaking out. So everyone just take a deep breath, all right? We're all well, going to die. Well, we'll get through <laughs> it together. Except for Will, remember back in the day, Hurricane Sandy. We had that live shot, yeah, of the street outside the uh, studio. Can we get that? Can we send Alex out there as our uh, as our embedded reporter to report live from the scene? What do you uh, say?
0: I think we have the capability to send him with an actual camera on his, uh, you know, on his shoulder. That'd be um, nice. So l- let's uh, let's st- I'll start arranging for it.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: Uh, but oh. while we do that, yes, let's talk about the the previous event a little bit.
1: Yes, yes, yes. But tell me, uh,
0: you you had a great night, right? I did. I had. a... Pretty good betting night. I bet on Ryan Bader and I bet on uh, Rumble Johnson. And they were, you know, two to one dogs each a Uh Rumble even a little more. I think he was 285 when I bet on him. Um, so it wasn't bad. Did you pick Rumble via
1: finish? I wonder uh, what Rumble via finish Rumble was.
0: via finish was probably, I think it was at around four or four and a half to one. Um, I didn't just because I actually thought that Gustafson has been hit a lot. That's the reason I picked Rumble. Gustafson has been hit a lot even in his wins but, I th- but he's super tough I mean even you can see it at the end there he never went completely unconscious as uh, Rumble Johnson was landing you know sledgehammers on him so I thought that there, there could be a scenario where Rumble beats him up a little bit um, and gets a decision that said, I mean, clearly, finish it was the more likely outcome, but I wasn't—I wasn't 100% sure on a finish. Uh, but I did think that Rumble was going to win this one.
1: And what about my cameo on Big Fox? I mean, that really was the big star, uh, the big story of the evening. What do you it, think?
0: I thought it was fantastic, but you know, maybe next time I'll be, you know, right next to you. Maybe you put you, you say, I've got a guy who's popular in Sweden. This can help the ratings, and then you bring old New York Rick over.
1: It's pretty typical. I mean, uh, here I am trying to bask in my glory, and you make it about yourself. Yeah, I got to do what I got to do. Yeah. Well, um, I'm that glad that you were that watching.
0: <laughs> no, I, I was watching, and it, and it was pretty awesome. It um, was awesome.
1: How, how, how rowdy were the fans? They were great. And, and, and remember, you know, when I shot that, it was like 1 a.m. over there, and they they did not miss a beat. They were excited. I mean, they were really excited for their own guys, then they went 0-3 again. Remember last yeah. time they were swept on the main card? And I asked Gary Cook this question afterwards, does this hurt the market? Of course he said no, but man, I got to think that they're going to take a break from Sweden. I mean, well, you ask people to come and pay 3.1 or so million dollar gate and then that happens. That's that, that's got to be a blow to the market in my opinion. I've heard this from international fans a lot. They don't care?
0: Not not that. They don't necessarily have to see all their hometown guys. Sure, that's it's true. nice, but they want to see the best possible cards. So if you bring fighters who are recognizable and they, and you know that fans from those international uh, countries and territories will like it doesn't have to be uh you know a, a a nationalistic thing i know but um and but, in but, fact but, I've, I've heard fans say that they'd prefer that like rather than having a lower level guy just because he's from sweden bring us a higher level guy uh who's not from
1: sweden i wonder yeah i wonder if uh let's see I don't want to say Anderson Nick because that's a special one. But, like, Weidman-Belfort, does it sell 26,000 seats? Well, I mean, Gustafsson's
0: a, a different right, thing right. because he's at the very, very top. But I'm talking, like, the guys on the lower, you know, part of the card, maybe if you fold that in with a better fight th- th- than necessarily having, you know, a Swedish fighter just because he's Swedish, right? Um, it would work out better. I've heard that quite a bit from international fans, whether it be Brazil, whether it be, uh, you know, Sweden. Um, I've heard that before. So... I don't think it necessarily hurts them as long as they improve the card quality. I don't think going. Oh, and six for Sweden is really that big a deal.
2: Hmm.
1: All right. Well, let's answer some
0: questions. Let's do it. Uh, The first question pertains to this very directly. How badly, if at all, do you think this affects (laughs) the Swedish market for the UFC when the majority of Swedish fighters on the card lose? This has been the case in the last two Sweden events. In general, how much impact do you think having local fighters on the card has on fan interest? So I've expressed my opinion. What do you feel? I think
1: it's a blow. You know, all all week long when I was there, I got there Thursday morning. um, People were very excited about Alexander Gustafsson. He is a big deal. You know, I said on the Fox broadcast that he is the second coming... Of Ingemar Johansson. I said this was the biggest night for Swedish combat sports since June 26, 1959. That's when Ingemar Johansson knocked out Floyd Patterson to become the boxing heavyweight champion at Yankee Stadium. And that was no hyperbole. No one told me to say that. This was a huge deal for Swedish combat sports. Alexander Gustafsson is arguably the second most popular athlete in Sweden behind Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who is the soccer superstar. And... As far as fighting is concerned, there's no great Swedish boxer right now. He is arguably the most famous fighter since Ingemar Johansson. If you don't know about Ingemar Johansson, he had three fights against, against Patterson. He was a big underdog, went to Yankee Stadium, knocked him out. They fought twice more, um, and he lost those. But, but still, he was, he was a gigantic superstar. Um, so I think it's a big deal. I, I think they need to take a break from the market. And I think there are other markets clamoring for... For some uh ufc action they're going to poland they announced that scotland germany later on this year i think they take a break because the last two events have not been good for the market i remember last time Gustafsson had to go to facebook and tell everyone to chill out it's it's a bummer when you're staying up that late paying all that much money and, and your, your 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 hero your local god loses so my guess is they take a bit of a break i didn't i didn't account for the time thing when i was saying that so that's
0: certainly a, so thing. It's a bummer nobody wants to come out in the morning like that and see their guys lose um, so certainly if they put it on at a regular time and filled it with a with a really s- solid card i could i could see it doing the same uh kind of gate as uh as a gustafson fight because i th- i think they're they're fans of the sport much more so than yeah yeah a, uh you know
1: very knowledgeable nationally. fans yeah, there. Exactly. They, they really love it i mean it's 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 so much fun to go to these uh foreign markets for the first time at least for me and to see how knowledgeable they are about the sport it's really cool
0: okay next question
1: what do you think should be next for Gustafson after his loss to Rumble? I lean towards DC, and I want to get his take on this later on. Um, I lean towards DC. I think that because both of them have lost, there, there are a few ways you can go. You can go maybe Gus Evans and then DC Bader, but to me, the fight that I want to see the most is Gus DC. That I mean, that could have been a title fight if obviously they both won their last fights. Um, I think that's once again, you know, given the state of the light heavyweight division, that's very much a number one contender fight. They don't lose all that much by, by fighting each other and, you know, losing to Jon Jones and Rumble Johnson, respectively. I don't think you should go, you know, too far down in the rankings. It's a fascinating Styles matchup. It's a high-profile fight. That's the one I want to see. What do you think? I'm on the same page. I mean, there's nothing
0: else to be said. Whoever wins that fight can be catapulted right into a title shot immediately. Um, that's, and I, and that's I, said, the fight I said
1: Ryan Bader got over the hump, and he did. But I'm not quite sure I want to see him in there well, you know, in a, in a number one contender fight just yet, especially with John Jones the champion. He already beat him quite convincingly.
0: That was quite a while ago, but the performance from Bader wasn't one that makes me necessarily clamor to see him get a title shot. If he had gone in there and knocked out Phil Davis, now we're, you know, t- that's part of the conversation. But this wasn't one that you came away thinking, I cannot wait to see Ryan Bader versus John Jones. Yeah. Um, if he had made more of a statement, You could have an argument for sure. But certainly he's one or two away at most, at very
1: very most. And by the way, while we're going through the questions, I do have to give a a major shout out to the uh, UFC UK team. I guess they're the EMEA team. Yeah, Yeah, Europe, Middle East, Africa. These individuals are the most pleasant, professional PR team, marketing team, whatever you want to call them that I've ever worked with. Um, in, in any organization. It's, all, it's almost like a different promotion, to be honest with you. I'm not taking anything away from anyone else. I think most of the, the people that we work with are tremendous, but they are on a whole other level. It is such a pleasure. I wish all the events could happen over there because it's just a lot of fun to work with them and um, they're so accommodating and professional. So I do want to give them a shout out and Dave Allen as well, who's the new kingpin over there. Uh, a, a real class act, Gary Cook as well, um, all of them. So it's always a lot of fun going over there. Last time I was there was Dublin. Sweden was no different. I want to thank them very much and uh, give them the old tip of the cat. Our next question, John Jones,
0: uh, his path. He says that after defeating Rumble, he would be clearing out the light heavyweight division. What challenges
1: are there left for John at 205? You know how I feel about this. I like to see dominant champions. I want to see you guys doing their thing for a long time. Um, I don't know about John moving up to heavyweight at this point in his career. He's still very young, and I still think there are challenges for him at 205. Of course, let's see what happens with Rumble. And then he does make a good point, though. I mean, you look at the, the top guys right now. Who do you have? Evans, Bader, Gus, DC. He's beating them all. I still think there's money to be made in a, in a uh, DC rematch. I think there's money to be made in a Gustafson rematch. Um, but he does make a very strong case. Although, when we saw him... You know, in early January, he said he doesn't want to move up to heavyweight anymore. So I don't know what he's talking about. I think he just likes to mess with people. Yeah, why not, you know, tease it both ways? Hey,
0: I'm going up to heavyweight. Hey, I'm staying in this division. Or leave his options open. Tease it.
1: Keep the people wanting it. And again, I'd like to see him maybe have, a, you know, a warm up fight, if you want to call it that, a James Irvin type of fight at heavyweight. I'm cool with that. But I'm not cool with him fighting Kane right off the bat. I'm, I mean, who knows if Kane's even the guy at that point? Or Yeah, or Verdum
0: um yeah i i think uh he's right that there he would have cleaned out this current the the way this current division looks um but as uh, we we've had a version of this question before and there's always guys that come out of nowhere yeah and something will happen where there will be a legitimate contender uh for john jones is he going to easily dispatch of them
1: quite honestly probably He's honest. really that I mean, good. But let's just be honest for a second. I mean, look at the rankings. Look at who's even coming up. There's really, you know, before you could say, oh, even Rumble the guys. Here.
0: Even like a Phil Davis or a Ryan Bader, first of all, he's beaten Bader. Right. And then a Phil Davis is a guy who, you know, most of the guys he's beaten have beaten. It's, it's really, it's not looking uh, like, like a promising contender and is going to no rise. There's no Chris
1: Weidman, right? There's no prospect that anyone says, unless I'm forgetting someone right now, none off that top I can of my think head. of. That, and, divi-
0: and, that division is relatively
1: old right. um, in general old, and if you look at the other divisions, uh, in the other organizations, like if you look at 205 and Bellator, World Series of Fighting, there's not much there right now for him.
0: Yeah. Maybe it's, Liam McGeary? Great names, but you know, nobody who's, right. who's one of these guys who's going to be able to put it together and build on something. They're more of established guys. Okay, next question. Ryan Bader. With his win over Phil Davis, should he be matched up with Rashad Evans next? Both men are coming off wins and similarly ranked. I like it. I think these are the two no-brainers, is... Cormier, Gustavson Bader, Bader
1: uh, Evans, right? I heard, and I haven't confirmed this yet, that Evans is going to take a little more time off just to be 100%. Perhaps he was rushing his return a little bit against Glover. They were supposed to fight February 22nd in Brazil. I'd like to see him wait until he's 100%. No rush at this point. But if he is ready to go, Bader coming off that win, I think that's a really tough fight for, for Ryan Bader and a good reintroduction for Rashad Evans, I, I think that makes all the sense in the world. Got to be.
0: Okay, here, these next two are tied a little bit, okay. so I'll read them together. Uh, the refing question, did any of the refing seem dodgy to you on Saturday night? You mentioned one at the top. Uh, the Hendo fight, the Andy Ogle yep, yep. fight, or the Gustavson fight. Love to hear what you thought. So, quickly on those, did, did you have a problem with any of
1: those? Uh, I had absolutely no problem with any of the decisions. Andy Ogle losing to Amir Khani, I thought that was the right call. With all due respect to Joe Rogan, who I think is obviously a brilliant mind. Let's save it. That's the next question. Well, let me just tie it in here. Okay. I I, I didn't see what the big deal was. I mean, Andy Ogle was trying to take down the referee. He was clearly out. It was the right call. And in this day and age, you know, when we're worried about head trauma, concussions, all that stuff, especially Rogan, who famously had that discussion with Brendan Schaub, it was the right call, 100%. Henderson fight, right call in my opinion. He's taken a lot of shots, and even if you ignore everything he's been through leading up to this point, he was out there for a brief second, he was out, it was the right call. And then the Gustafson fight, my issue with that was, of course, it went a little too long. Now, yeah. I, now here's the thing. You can't, To me, it was clear, and I have a lot of respect for Mark Goddard, but it was clear that he was taking into account the setting, the situation, the fighters involved. If that was the first fight of the night, if that was Chris Beal versus Neil Siri. I, I feel pretty confident in saying it would have ended earlier. But you can't, when you're a referee, in my opinion, look at a situation and say, all right, this is Sweden, this is the main event, this is Gustafsson, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. I don't like that. I think all fights should be ref'd equally. I thought that went too long.
0: I thought if it went too long, not by much. Because Goddard made it clear, Alex, you need to get out of this position. And you know what? He got out of the positions. It wasn't like... He wasn't moving. There's guys who completely turtle up and just continue to take punches. He was giving his best effort to at least, you know, move, get Anthony off his back, move to a different position. And I, I really can't fault Goddard for that. It, he gave Gustafson the opportunity that I think Joe Rogan. When his, when his was, head was snapping back, those. Yeah, it was but that's when he see. stopped it. Those two real brutal mm. hammer punches, that's when he stopped it. But he was trying to give Gustafson the opportunity that Rogan was saying Ogle deserved. Now, I think in those cases, uh, it was different. Ogle was out, and Ogle was trying to take down the referee, uh, and I don't think he needed any more time to be able to to you know work out of it. But Gustafson, I feel like he was moving enough um, and trying and trying to get out of it enough to the point where you have to let him let him try it. Um, I think if you ask if you ask Gustafson, he'll probably feel the same way. Did um, you
1: did you see my post fight interview with Gustafson? I didn't. What's wrong with you? Come on. I mean, it'd be nice to have some support, you know. <laughs> Tell um, me about it. I asked him about. The, 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 there was a point of the fight that happened very quickly. If you slow it down, you can clearly see it. There were people telling me. I didn't see it at first. People were saying oh, what this about, about a head the butt? headbutt? The headbutt. There was a headbutt. Uh, that, that's how he actually was knocked down at the beginning of the, the, the entire flurry. There was a headbutt, and it's pretty clear if you slow it down. Now, again, not taking anything away from, from, uh, from Anthony Johnson, I think it was obviously accidental, but there was a headbutt, and, and, and that clearly was the beginning of the end, in my opinion. I I have not seen that clip yet, but
0: I'm going to go look for it now because I've heard a lot of people saying that, and I I don't know. Um, We have about a minute each for these. Let's let's hit them quick. Is Joe Rogan getting burnt out with four shows this month? The bizarre after interviews with Ogle and the Henderson fights. Usually, when the other fighter is grappling, the ref there isn't a question if they were out. Any inside info on why Rogan was so grumpy and uncharacteristic in his behavior?
1: No, that's a question for him. I mean, what was wrong with the the Henderson one? Well,
0: did that go on weird? I think he in that one he was arguing for it not to be stopped, whereas most people thought it should have been stopped. So he felt the same about Ogle and Hendo. He thought it was premature? Or or maybe he felt it was good. I don't remember exactly. I remember thinking there was something weird there. I saw him right after when we, we interviewed Gary
1: Cook. You didn't see it of course, but No, we interviewed... I did I actually did oh, see it. Oh you saw that, that one. one. Oh, that one was
0: on the end of the the broadcast, so I did see that one. It was? Yeah.
1: It was on Big Fox? Yeah. No, it
0: wasn't. They ran uh, I, I could be completely making this up, but I believe it ran until... No, no. Or maybe I, I was watching that. the post-fight show. But yeah, either yeah. way, I did see I did see that one with
1: Gary Cook. When we were cage side? Yeah, right in front of the cage. Did they open my mic a little too early? I don't know. Someone said that. because we Why standing would you there, say? Well, we were looking at the screen, and Gary was there. And I've never really done an interview like that. And I was like, hey, Gary, look at us. We oh. look pretty good on TV. And then <laughs> one person tweeted me that they heard that. Thank God I didn't say anything worse. No, I don't know. I, I didn't uh, pick up on that. Anyway... Um, I saw Rogan because we were standing in his spot that he usually stands in with, with Mike Goldberg, and he seemed to be fine, so I don't know. I mean, he has his opinion. That's why they pay him. You know, you don't always have to agree with the guy. He's the analyst, and he's going to weigh in, and, and he should weigh in. I'd rather that than someone who is just on the fence the whole time. But you don't want to take away from the fighter's moment as well. Like, you don't want to push that issue, it, you know, Ask maybe one, two questions in the post-fight interview, but also the guy just won in eight seconds in his debut. He lives very close to Sweden. He's from Finland. You don't want it to overshadow everything. And I thought his response, Americani's, was pretty hilarious afterwards, saying that he thought he was drunk.
0: Yeah, and you know, when, I mean, he's great. When somebody asked him about the rematch, he said, "A rematch? How much like faster can I beat him?" Right. Uh, okay. Next question. Uh, what is the people's main event this weekend? Uh, as much as I am a huge fan of Anderson, for some reason, I'm leading toward uh, Kelvin Gastelum and Tyron Woodley as the people's main event. You know,
1: sometimes, as I have mentioned before, the people's main event is the real main It has to be. What? This is Anderson Silva Nick Diaz. Are you crazy? You disagree? You disagree? Really? You're not interested in Anderson Nick? We'll get, how, about, how about this? We'll jump to the next question. Okay.
0: Do you think Anderson versus Diaz will be competitive? And I have an answer for that.
1: Okay, go. I don't. Oh, but still, it's still Anderson and Nick. Is it? What do you mean, is it?
0: I don't think it's going to be a competitive fight. Um, I'm, not, I'm not that excited for it on paper. You're picking Nick, of course. Huh. You're unless, not exci- unless Anderson... I'm excited for the, 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 the hype surrounding it and, you know, what kind of media is going to come out of it. But the actual fight... If Anderson Silva looks anything like Anderson Silva of past.
1: But, but you know what I love about this fight? he's gonna There are so many questions heading into it. Okay, how does Anderson look after the layoff? How does he look after the leg break? How does Nick Diaz look after the layoff? How does Nick Diaz look at 185? How does Nick Diaz look against a striker like Anderson Silva? There are so many unknowns. Now, I agree. I think most people are picking Anderson Silva, right? I haven't really seen anyone go out... And 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 say Nick is and and what's what's uh what's the odds right now? I, I think
0: Anderson's like over four to one as a favorite. Really, wow! It um, makes it makes perfect sense. Nick Diaz's style is not the style to beat Anderson Silva.
1: But if I ask you which fight are you most looking forward to, if you have to buy this pay per view, what's it all about? It's Anderson Nick. That is For that is me, a people's main event. You're gonna tell me it's Woodley Gaslam? It's
0: Lineker McCall.
1: Really?
2: Yeah.
0: That's that, the fight I'm looking forward to the most. To be honest with you, great
1: fight. Hopefully, it's a it happens. Fantastic this time. fight.
2: All right,
0: but I'll say this: Of course, you know the the things that are going to be talked about and come out of this—the uh, fact that this matchup exists—certainly that's that's m- the most important and the most interesting part of it. But as I'm saying, like if Anderson Silva steps in the cage and is Anderson Silva, and Nick Diaz steps in the cage and is Nick Diaz, and they fight the same way they always fight, it's mm-hmm. not going to be that
1: competitive. Yeah, but what if it's a different Anderson? If Anderson, Silva?
0: Yeah, well, that will be interesting.
1: Yeah, so that's but why you can't a predict few... that.
0: You can't predict. You can't say, "Oh, Anderson's not going to look like himself." That's not real. Like, it doesn't work that. But way. But you can think that. It may be possible. That's I wouldn't. Bet, I wouldn't bank on it. But I wouldn't personally bet
1: anything on that. But if there's, if there's some doubt in the air, that makes it a little more interesting. If this sure, was sure. Anderson versus Nick, you know, November of last year, before the leg break and the second loss. Okay, you may feel very strongly, but there's still some lingering down. Mm, what about that leg? What about that time off? He's close to 40 years old. There's a lot of things that can happen.
0: Yeah, uh, there are things that need to be, you know, cleared up. There are things that, that we need to see, but
1: Man, it, it just He has doesn't... never been stalked and slapped.
0: Who, Anderson Silva? Yeah.
1: We don't know how he's going to react. All right, let's go. <laughs>
0: Uh, last two very quickly. Yeah. With Sheldon Silver temporarily stepping yes. down, how big of a step did MMA take to enter New York?
1: You know, you never know what kind of you know the reach and, and what kind of influence someone has when they step down in politics. I mean, it was just a temporary leave of absence, so it's not like he's gone forever. If you don't know a lot about the story, Sheldon Silver, the, uh, the Assembly Speaker, has really been the biggest thorn in Zufa's side, not even allowing the bill to legalize mma get to a vote he doesn't even allow it to get to a vote to let the people decide um he's gone corruption stuff he might be gone for a very long time but right now it's just temporary so let's see what happens i'll say this the chances of mma getting legalized a lot better today than they were last week so there's some hope and from talking to people in zufa they're a lot more hopeful today than they were last week so let's see what happens i'll leave you on this uh and then I will go
0: get Mr. Cruz. Yes. Should Anthony uh, Johnson's weight cutting story define his career?
1: When will we stop being so intrigued by it? Well, I think uh, I think if he gets the the title, if he gets the title, I mean, in my opinion, the weight cut stuff is a part of his story. It's what makes his story so great. This is a guy who came into the UFC in 2007. He was cocky. He was, you know, he wasn't the media darling, the professional. That he is today, he he thought that you know he was invincible at 170. He was very stubborn and refused to consider moving up in weight. He gets his eye poked by Kevin Burns, has to have surgery. Who knows how he's going to respond to that. He responds very well. He knocks him out. And then he starts to struggle with the weight. Misses weight three times, fights Vitor Belfort in Brazil, and, and, and brutally misses the weight. I mean, 13, 14 pounds over, gets released from the UFC. And he told me this great story about being on the plane back home with his coach, Henry Hooft. And he said, okay, I'm in your hands. I'm going to stop being selfish. I'm going to start listening to you. I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop just ignoring what everyone is telling me. And I'm just going to give you my career. Take me where I need to go. And look at him now. I think it's nine in a row now. He's knocking people out. He looks fantastic at 205. He is a scary man. And I think that stuff, the weight cut issues, the release, all that, that makes the story that much more amazing. This is a guy who was Knocking people out 170. Now look what he's doing at 205. At 205 pounds against the baddest guys in the world. Knocking out Gustafson. Shutting out Phil Davis. Knocking out Antonio Hagerio Noguera. And let's give some props to World Series of Fighting. World Series of Fighting helped resuscitate his career. They gave him new life. That's why those organizations need to be around. To develop talent. To make new stars. But also to give guys like Anthony Johnson who aren't ready to say goodbye. Who aren't ready to pack it all up a chance to reinvent themselves. And that's what he's done. It's a beautiful thing. And then you see how he talks afterwards, the respect he gave to Gustafson, the respect he gave to the crowd, telling them not to boo and I just all that stuff. I mean, it's just, it's just an amazing story and he's really come a long way. If you remember the guy from 2007, 2008, he has certainly come a long way and it's, it's one of the best stories in, in recent memory. And he's, he's doing it all right. I know he had the, the issue that you know got him suspended and hopefully that's all cleared up. They said they looked into it, they investigated it, all that stuff. Hopefully, he's, he's a changed man. He's a better man now. And he's just, you know, a few months away from obviously the biggest fight of his life. It, it gets bigger than Sweden, believe it or not. And if he can do what, what he did to Gustafsson against John Jones, holy mackerel. But right now, we have a guy who is young in his prime with knockout power. You know, I know John has faced the best of the best, but no one with those characteristics young, prime, knockout power, and pretty good takedown defense as well. Let's see. The Black Stallions deserve a lot of credit for what they've done with Anthony Johnson. For now, let us go to our first guest of the day. That was a lot of fun. We welcome in former UFC bantamweight champion, my colleague over at Fox Sports, the bearded one. I like it, Dominic. Dominic Cruz joining us. How are you? Oh, I don't hear Dominic. Just one second, guys. Is his mic on? No? One second. Gentlemen? We'll get to you in a second. I promise, Dominic. It's great to see your face. Okay? We're just going to fix this in a, in a second. Dominic Cruz, wanted to have him on to, of course, talk about what happened on Saturday, but also to look ahead to uh, next Saturday, UFC 183, Nick Diaz, Anderson Silva. It's a very interesting time in the UFC, also a very interesting time in his division. It was just announced last week that Rafael Sunsau will meet Uriah Faber. Uh, that will be taking place in March in Brazil. And of course, it was also announced recently that TJ Dillashaw will meet Henan Barau for the UFC bantamweight title on April 25th in Montreal. That is Baral-Dillashaw 2.5, because of course they were supposed to fight at UFC 177, and well, we all know what happened there. Baral missed weight. We saw Joe Soto fight TJ Dillashaw. How are we looking, gents? Sorry about the delay, Dominic, but it's great to see you drinking that coffee. You look fantastic. Okay. Should we just go to the phone? Yeah, let's please go to the phone. Maybe we'll just keep you up on the screen and uh, we'll, we'll call your cell phone right now. All right, Dominic? I think the blizzard has gone to us. There he is with his phone. We'll get him in a second. After Dominic, we're going to be talking to Talos Ladies, another guy who has really turned around his career. You got to love stories like that. Guys going out, getting cut and not giving up on their dream, fighting their way back and then doing great things on the biggest stage possible. Eric, are you calling Dominic? All right, I see him talking on the phone right now. Dominic, are you there?
3: what's going
1: on man hey it's great to see you sorry about that i'm not sure what happened we're we're in the midst of a blizzard here so perhaps the uh the weather is affecting us but if you could just turn down the volume on your computer because i think we're getting some feedback there
3: there you go got
1: better okay cool yes that is perfect uh thank you very much for joining us um first things first before we get into all the analyst stuff let's put the fighter hat on for a second i know you underwent surgery last week how did it go
3: went well Um, you know, obviously done this more times than I'd like, <laughs> but um, I've become pretty used to the, the sequence of events that take place. Right now, I'm in a machine that kind of bends my leg, and I get to move at 10 degrees every day. And um, I'm on 80 degrees today. I get to go to 90 degrees tomorrow. Then I go see the doctor on Thursday, and then rehab starts. So I'm right on track. Every uh, Surgery was very successful, and I'm feeling um, absolutely
1: optimistic. That is great. Great to hear. Uh, did you go to the the doctor in LA that, you know, GSP went to, Conor McGregor went to, or do you have your own guy?
3: I don't know who Conor McGregor went to. I know GSP went to a guy named Ella Trash, and that's exactly who I went to. The first time I di- I went with a different doctor this time, um, I used the, uh, the chief of um, staff over there, the, the, the head doctor of the entire clinic. The guy's a beast. He knows everything, so, and um, I trust his what he does, and then now for this surgery, something that I did for my own uh, well-being was, I made it so that my physical therapist, my doctor, and every physical therapist I have now are all talking, all in communication, and all on the same page. That was something that never took place in my first two surgeries, and that, to my in my opinion, is one of the hardest things to do because doctors separate themselves so much from recovery that um, it just becomes you and the therapist, but I was able to get my therapist, Gavin McMillan, in there with Alatrosh to watch the surgery. Wow. They're on the same page with what I need to be doing to get, to get um, back in there. And uh, everybody's been very helpful in making sure that this surgery is completely successful at the highest level the very first time around instead of it failing like the first time. And I've definitely um, made sure that everything was, you know, all my I's were dotted and my T's are crossed on this surgery to, to get back in there as soon as possible.
1: You know, I saw you. uh, It was, I think, UFC 181. I believe was it 181? No, it was 182. Um, It was uh, DC Jones, right? When you were in uh, Las Vegas working for Fox, and I was just blown away by your demeanor. I mean, of course, you were going through a lot, but you're you're so positive, and you're in such great spirits. And I see you right now after the surgery, and I saw you tweeting about it and all that. Um, I mean. You hate to compare one, you know, injury to the next, but do you feel like those situations helped you deal with this better? I mean, were you not this way the other times? You're, you're more of a veteran at this stuff, and that's allowing you to put on a, a happy face and just move forward.
3: The truth is this, Ariel, and I said it. I don't know if any, if anybody listened to my interviews or actually heard the words that I was saying. I try to say exactly how I am and where I'm at and be real with it every time I talk. Um, and something I said in all my interviews in the past, where how much I found myself over that time where I was just sitting idle and had nothing to do. I literally had to find out who I am and who I was outside of fighting. I I legitimately had to rebuild my persona because all I knew of myself up to that point, I was young when I first hurt my knee. I was only 26 and um, I had four world titles and that's all I knew of myself was being a world champion and becoming the best fighter on the earth. Uh, that's all I wanted. That's the only thing I saw for myself. When I blew my knee out, it completely derailed any of my goals, any of the things that I chose that I wanted to do for myself, any of my future that I saw. It kind of just got thrown in, in, in a dumpster, in a sense, because I was so hurt and I knew I was out for so long. Dealing with that kind of depression, dealing with that kind of you know low, um, it really taught me how to deal with ultimate lows and how, what I need to do to get through it. And 100% going through those first two surgeries that I've gone through has absolutely equipped me for this third one um, and uh, given me a different mindset as to what I need to do to get through it strategically and perfectly to come back just as strong as I did before.
1: It's amazing. Uh, did they give you a timeline? Is it going to be your typical you know, 11 or so months or perhaps shorter, longer? I mean, do you have any kind of timeline?
3: I'm looking probably about nine months. Wow. Um, Yeah, a typical ACL surgery is six to nine months uh, minimum. And, you know, I'm just going to say nine months just because that's what the doctors say. Um, That can be later or that can be a little bit sooner. There's no way that it will be any faster than six months um, legitimately because the the blood flow that needs to be um, reassembled in that tendon being my ACL It takes a minimum of six months for it to be at its maximum um, blood supply going to that tendon so that it's at full strength. And at six months, it will be there, and then the training starts, building the muscle back, getting the atrophy um, back to to full form to where it's not a little skinny peg leg anymore. It's a regular leg that I can uh, do some damage with.
1: You know what my theory is? I think you become a better fighter because now you have two bionic knees. I mean, now no one can stop you, right? (laughs)
3: Yeah, that's a nice thought, Ariel. You know, I wish it really worked that way in this world. But I will say this. Um, I basically do have two brand-new knees, and people might not look at it that way. You know, I see the tweets and stuff. It's hilarious to me because I've gone through this so much. I'm ready for the Dominic's done. His knees are are like paper. He's never going to make it. Hang up your gloves. You know what's shocking to me is when I get tweets from people that tell me, um, you know, what's the point, Dominic? Um, I think it's time to hang him up. You can't do it. It's like, why do people, it, it shocks me how people will go out of their way to tweet yeah. me how I can't do something. It's, that it's horrible. That shocks me more than anything. It doesn't bother me. It just like people are literally going out of their way who don't know me on a personal level to go onto their Twitter account and <laughs> tell me, you can't do it. Your knees are too thin. You won't be able to. You won't be back. It's like you it's really disgusting. needed to do that for yourself to feel better for your day-to-day guy.
1: It's disgusting. <laughs> I
3: feel I see that stuff. It's what do you so do? Funny. Do you
1: block them or you laugh? What do you do?
3: Um, I laugh. Uh, depending on the, um, how deep they go into it, I laugh. Some, usually if it's too negative, if it's one negative thing, I'll usually just block them because even if they follow me, I don't want negative words spoken to me. You know, I don't, even, I don't have room for that. i got too much to do and uh, too big of a mountain to climb to have somebody telling me every step of the way that I can't do something. So I just block them. That's a beautiful thing of Twitter.
1: Yes, it is a beautiful thing and I do it quite often myself. Um, all right, right, let's, let's, uh, let's take off the fighter hat now and again, wish you the very best and I'm so I'm blown away by how you handle all of this. It, it's really commendable and I think a lot of people should look to you when dealing with situations like this as athletes how, how to move forward. You do a fantastic job of that so you know my, 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 my utmost respect to you on all of this. Um, you were watching on Saturday. I know you were you were tweeting about it. Uh, a tough night yeah. for your team. In fact, I saw your head coach Eric Del Fiero at the uh, airport um, Sunday morning. He was obviously very down. It's a long trip to make from Chula Vista, California, all the way to Sweden, and, and have the night go that way. Let's talk about Phil Davis first. Did you think he did enough to win that fight?
4: I thought he.
3: I thought he looked like Phil Davis. You know, I thought he went out there, pushed the takedowns when he needed to. Looked to throw some big strikes and land, but um, he looked like Phil. And we knew that Bader was going to be a tough test because the wrestling was going to kind of nullify everything. But in my opinion, Phil did do enough to win that fight. But that's that's here, you know, nor there anymore. The decision has been made and nobody can overturn it or change it. Um, In my opinion, the difference in that fight was, you know, 10 shots to nothing. Now, regardless of whether Bader uh, stuffed the shots or not, if you, I mean, this isn't a wrestling match, but wrestling rules do kind of have to be a little added to an MMA match. And if anybody in wrestling shoots 10-plus shots and the other guy shoots zero, that's an automatic stall call and points are awarded to the other person, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just so much. Phil was putting, off, putting forth so much offense, so much energy, throwing a lot of punches at the same time. I think that Bader landed more of the effective boxing strikes. But I think uh, Phil kept a higher offensive pace, and also landed a takedown. And um, you know, I think he did enough to win, but it doesn't matter anymore.
1: When you say it looked like Phil Davis, I think that's a very interesting thing to uh, to hear from you because the 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 consensus seems to be that he hasn't evolved enough. Like you know, you know what you're going to get from him. You know, you look at a guy like Alexander Gustafsson, how he was before he went to Alliance, and afterwards, totally different fighter. What he does on his feet, is take down the fence, his takedowns as well. In your opinion, is, is Phil doing enough to evolve as a fighter, or have we seen his his ceiling at this point?
3: I think Phil is evolving. I think that people are watching the wrong things that Phil's evolving at. People aren't. People kind of don't give Phil credit for the things that he's actually evolving at. And what I mean by that is striking defense is a huge thing. Um, it's 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 very important. It's actually something that's very under underseen in mixed martial arts, in my opinion, is good striking defense. Phil has some of the best striking defense in, in, in the in the division. He hardly gets hit. He takes very little damage, and he knows how to wrestle and shoot at the right times. So what Phil is evolving at is actually his striking defense, not taking damage. And the reason why people don't give it a lot of credit is because his offense does need to evolve a little bit more. The problem, um, in my opinion, from watching on the outside looking in with, excuse me, with Phil's fights, is the fact that he doesn't make people respect his offense quite enough. Mm. So guys are able to just stalk and stock and stock because he doesn't quite just sit down on some of those big punches that he absolutely could. Um, Phil's still evolving in that sense with his offensive output, um, and I do believe 100% that it will come to him. Um, it's just, you know, he, he really hasn't been in the sport this long. Mm. Phil was forced to go from a high-level wrestler straight into the highest level of the sport – almost competing for the title right away after, what, he's been in the sport maybe four or five years. Mm -hmm. I've been in the sport 11-plus years, and that gives me a lot of time for adjustments. Phil When when you do what Phil did, where you come from a high-level wrestling and you go straight in against um, the best fighters in the world, it makes your defense very good, and it makes you learn how to not be finished, and then the offensive part and the finishes, those come later, generally speaking. And that's something I think Phil is going to continue to piece together in his offense with his time in this sport, and he's going to be hard to deal with.
1: Would you like to see him be more aggressive or does that, as far as a striker is concerned, or does that all come together with what you were just talking about?
3: It does all come together with what yeah. I was just talking about, Ariel, and I would like to see Phil be a little bit more aggressive with his strikes. And what I mean by that is you have to, in a, in a fight, let's say Phil's goal was just to get a takedown. Let's just say that. If you're fighting somebody and you know you want that takedown, the first step to getting that takedown is you have to force the, the, your opponent to have some respect for your striking. The fight starts on your feet, throwing punches. So if that guy doesn't doesn't respect any of your power, doesn't respect doesn't respect your ability to possibly hurt him, cut him, or finish him with strikes,
4: mm-hmm.
3: then he's it's a lot easier to stuff the takedowns if you're not worried about the punches doing damage. Now, if you really hurt somebody striking, you're hitting them with long combinations, you tag their legs up, you're, you cut them, you really hurt them and get the, gain the respect early in that round, now they have to focus on your striking, and they can't think about only your wrestling shots coming at you. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So Phil, Phil somewhat, in my opinion, really needs to sit down on some of these punches offensively. He really needs to piece together some longer combination striking, really make it to where he gets completely comfortable in the stand-up realm to where he doesn't even need a takedown. And then when he needs that takedown, it will be there because he threatened and gained the respect of the striking so much.
1: Great insight. And more to your points. Uh, according to our resident statistician, Michael Carroll of Fightmetric, Phil Davis avoided 72.3% of opponents' significant strike attempts. Uh, and that's the highest in light heavyweight history. So That's uh, That's my point. And
3: his defense is that's something that fans, um, people at home, aren't going to see. They're just going to see he's running. That's incorrect. Phil is moving his body very strategically at the right angle, moving away from the power at the right time, moving away from the the feints at the right time. There's very um, fine-tuning things that he's doing in there to not get hit with 70% of the strikes thrown at him. That's a big hard thing to do when you're trapped in a cage with a giant individual like Pater, Clover Teixeira or anybody else for that matter
1: would you make of the stoppage in the Dan Henderson Geiger Mousasi fight was it the right call in your opinion
3: you know um, I think that it could have gone longer but if you look at the position that the ref actually jumped in that's a position where um, if Geiger Mousasi didn't get stopped He was in such a dominant position. He was basically knee-on-belly with his left knee crossed over the bottom arm of Henderson, which means he was trapped. He was eating at least three or four more super-tough, hard punches from Musashi before he got up from that cage and was able to threaten to take down at all, and he was already rocked. So in my opinion, if the ref wouldn't have jumped in, he wouldn't have had, he wouldn't have been able, Henderson wouldn't have been able to even, like, put Musashi on his back at the very end of the round the way Mm. he did, he would have just eaten a bunch of punches and been out a lot dirtier than he was. So I think the ref did make a good stoppage in that.
1: Would you like to see Dan Henderson continue fighting?
3: I love watching Dan Henderson fighting. I think that it would be great to have him around because being a fighter myself and having people say the things that they've said to me, I understand where Henderson's at in the sense that people are telling him maybe you should stop, you're not looking as good as you used to this and that. I think Dan Henderson can still beat anybody in the top 20 of the division on any given day. Maybe don't put him against the top 10 guys. I think this guy loves to fight. I think it's in his heart and his soul and his mind that that's what he loves to do. It's what he enjoys. Why would you deprive somebody of that if that's what they enjoy doing and you're healthy enough to do it? Um, that's Dan Henderson's choice, and I think on any given time he can still take out you know anybody in the top 20. Not necessarily. Maybe not. Maybe he's not in the top five guys anymore. Maybe even not the top 15. Possibly. I don't know. But put him against the top 20 guy and see how he does and then go from there.
1: Let's talk about the big shocker. Rumble Johnson coming to Sweden, finishing Gustafsson in the first round. Some major shots Gustafsson took uh, especially later on. What did you think Gustafsson did wrong in that fight? What, what, what do you think he should have done and, and didn't do in that fight?
3: You know, That's a hard fight. That's one of those first-round knockout things. When you're 205 pounds and a guy hits you, you go down or you don't. That's a game of everybody in a fight gets punched. Every single person in a fight gets punched. And I tell this to all the guys that I coach. I say, this is a game of numbers. Um, You never are 100% going to go in there and win. But all you can – I tell my guys this all the time. All you can do is bring down the chances of you getting finished, hurt, or losing. All you can do is make it like 30-60 and give yourself the 60% chance and your opponent the 30% chance of winning. And the way you do that is make sure you're in top shape, you never get tired, your defense is good, you're hard to finish, you're durable, and you move your feet a lot. There's all these things that make it harder for you to finish that. Mostly cardio brings your percentages and your chances up. Alexander Gustafsson was in top shape. He was ready for this fight. He got caught in the first round against Rumble who hits like a train. Um... He threw a push kick up the middle, and when you throw that push kick up in the middle, the only thing I don't like about it is when your foot comes down, your head always comes back down on the center line. Mm. It doesn't matter what you do. Mm. When your foot comes up the middle and you bring the foot down, not only are you stationary, but your head has to come down on the center line, and that allows counters. And that's what happened with Alex. He threw a push kick up the middle, which is actually a very effective kick for him, and it works very often, but it kept him stationary for just long enough for Rumble to catch the foot and... Throw a power overhand right and clip him. He got caught. He tried to tough it out. Couldn't do it. Anthony kept the pressure because it was so early and wasn't tired enough, and he was able to get the finish. I think if they fought um, best out of three, I still take Alex. I really do. Wow. Cool. But I think that I I do think that Rumble is a beast and he's hard to deal with. And I give him nothing but respect for the win because he's earned every step forward he's taken. He didn't get no easy ride up to the top. He fought Phil Davis and Alexander Gustafson, and that's after a bunch of his own trials and tribulations before those issues. So yep. um, my hat is off to that guy, man. He's shown a lot of composure, a lot of mental strength, and uh, a lot of positivity, actually, with all the circumstances that have been run by him.
1: Reminds me a lot of you. Do you give him a shot against John Jones?
3: I give him a good shot against John Jones, I do. Um, the reason is he's so powerful that... I think that um, he has a good case with moving forward and being able to withstand some of the striking power of Jones. You know, you watch the guys that Jones fights, and he keeps them so far out, and he's so rangy, and he does damage with those punches. Guys can't come forward. I think Rumble is powerful enough that John Jones has to respect the punches, similar to what I was expe- explaining Phil need- needed to do early in this fight with Rumble, and uh, everybody else, and Bader also. Rumble has to go in there and force John Jones to respect him immediately. And as long as he does that in the first, second rounds, I think he has a good fight coming up. And as fans, we've got a super fight coming.
1: Let me ask you three quick predictions, and then we'll let you go. And we really appreciate the time. I'm sure your hand is a little tired holding the phone. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, We're making you work here. Uh, Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, this Saturday, Las Vegas, UFC 183. Who's your pick?
3: I'm going with uh, Anderson Silva. Okay. And the reason I'm going with Silva yep. is he has more tools. To uh, his, his, he's got kicks, elbows, knees. Um, he's just as uh, fluent on the ground as Diaz, from what we've seen for yep. the most part, or maybe not as fluent, but at least as offensive on the ground. And that kind of makes it a, a, a good matchup for Diaz and Silva both. Um, but more, more, more Silva because Silva's seen so many different styles. And if you really look at what Diaz brings to the table, it's boxing with jujitsu jitsu off his back. That being said, that's nothing that Anderson Silva hasn't seen before at the highest level. So there's nothing that uh, he can really shock Anderson Silva with. And if you look at it the other way around, Anderson Silva has everything he needs to shock Diaz.
1: Hmm. And I'm sure for you, Anderson, another inspirational story coming back from his injury and now fighting once again on the... Biggest stage possible, Faber or Who's your pick?
3: Uh, you know, I actually like a Sunsal. Oh point. yes, I, I love do. it. <laughs> I do. I like a Sunsal in this rematch, and I'll tell you why. Sunsal has made changes in his game. This goes back to people evolving. You look at what a Sunsal has done to get on this streak. He's made uh, legitimate, strong, working changes to his fight game. He's hard to take down. Uh, he doesn't. He doesn't accept the takedowns the way he would earlier in his career in the WEC. In the past, he would get taken down, close his guard, go for a guillotine, and then end up the rest of the round on his back, possibly getting choked, which is how he got choked by Faber and scrambles. I think Austin South pleads a different case in this fight because he's not going to be okay with the takedown this time, I think. I think he's going to use the jiu-jitsu to get back standing, And if he creates a stand-up fight with Faber, Anybody who creates a stand-up fight with Favor doesn't allow Favor to get into any kind of grappling situation with them. They usually beat Favor. I think us in South striking is awkward enough, strong enough, and uh, useful enough that he's able to go in there, keep the fight stri- uh, striking for three rounds, and possibly come out with a decision.
1: Wow. And finally, of course, Dillashaw Burrell, your pick?
3: I got to go with Dillashaw again. Okay. I like Burrell, but I think uh, after watching his last fight, watching Dillashaw... Dillashaw's confidence, his mind is a different place. I think that um, Burrell having that loss, I think it definitely shook him. I think getting this last win really put some wind underneath his sails, gave him a lot of confidence, made him know that he is as good as he always was in his mind. But really, it comes down to Dillashaw, who went out there and beat him. A beating that he took from Dillashaw like that isn't easy to, to, to get your mind past. I mean, he got knocked out and beat down for four rounds before that. Plain and simple, that's not easy to accept. So I think this is a big hurdle for Henning. But I will say, Henning goes through there and beats a guy like Dilshaw After what he's gone through, he's going to be one of the hardest guys in the world to beat after a fight like this. If he can beat Dilshaw. the confidence will be through the roof, and I think he'll be able to stay around for a while. Maybe even face me when I come back.
1: And but you, you got next, right? I'm still say,
3: huh? I sure hope so, man. I, I'm, not, I'm looking. I'm here looking positive, man. People are saying, what's this guy going to do? How's he going to do it? I'm saying, why can't I? How I can't wait to get back there, you know? And in the meantime, I'm going to make the best of my life. I'm going to enjoy fighting. I'm going to enjoy commentating with you and, and the rest of the guys. And I promise you, I'm going to keep getting better. I'm going to be in the gym. Don't think I'm not in the gym.
1: One of the best stories of 2014, your comeback against... Mizugaki, that amazing performance in Las Vegas. I can't wait for your comeback fight, this time for the belt. Whenever that time comes, I will be there and I will be very proud of you, my friend. Uh, good luck with the, the, the recovery. Happy to hear the surgery was a success and tremendous stuff as always. Your, your analysis is always on point. Really great having you break down the fights for us.
3: Thanks for having me, Ariel, and thanks to everybody for the support and the love. I appreciate everything from everybody and the the patience on waiting for me. I'll be back. I won't disappoint. Thanks a lot,
1: Ariel. All the best, Dominic. There he is, Dominic Cruz, the former UFC bantamweight champion. Very much looking forward to his return. I have no doubt he came back from two injuries. I have no doubt he will be back soon enough, coming back from a third ACL surgery. And uh, hopefully when he comes back, he does get a shot at his belt, the one he had to relinquish. All right, let's move along now. UFC 183, as I mentioned, coming up this Saturday in Las Vegas. A big one, headlined by Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz, a man who knows a thing or two about Anderson Silva. He fought him at UFC 97 in Montreal. Is our guest at this time. Talos Ladies joins us from Rio de Janeiro. Talos, how are you? Talos, are you there? Did he pull a, uh, uh, a Tim Sylvia on us? Palace ladies, going once. Let's call him back. Qué pasa? He didn't want to hear our breakdown. Okay, we're gonna call him back. Meanwhile, I just got a notification that. My flight to Las Vegas Wednesday morning was canceled. So hopefully I'll be going to UFC one eighty three. It'd be nice. How's it looking out there? Pretty bad? I'll tell you where it looks really nice these days. Rio de Janeiro. Tas Ladies has won seven in a row. He was uh he was released from the UFC after his loss to Alessio Sakara at UFC 101. Since then, he won three in a row, then lost to Matt Horwich, and then proceeded to win seven in a row And his last two fights. Looked really impressive. He KO'd Francis Carmont at UFC Fight Night Henderson versus Dos Anjos. That was August of last year. Prior to that, he TKO'd Trevor Smith. The first round, just 45 seconds. Remember that fight in Abu Dhabi. And uh, also prior to that, he defeated Ed Herman, UFC 167, Tom Watson at UFC 163. That has been his run thus far in the UFC. And now I believe he is joining us. Talis, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hey, my friend. Thank you for joining us. Um, so we were talking about your great run, your, your your return to the UFC. Of course, you're fighting Tim Boach uh, this weekend. Can you tell us, is there, is there a reason why you've looked so good upon returning to the UFC? Has something changed for you?
4: Uh, a lot of things changed for me, especially my mind. Now I'm, I'm more aggressive, and I'm training more, and I'm, I'm feeling more comfortable and confident. And basically, it's the, the confidence, you know. I've been working my, my mental game, and it changed my life for sure. It makes a lot of sense for me.
1: So when when you were in the UFC for the first time, you weren't confident in your abilities?
4: Oh, I was I was confident, but when I start to to do the BJJ mental coach, there's uh, a program with my friend. Uh, just uh, at at the beginning, he was just doing it the jiu jitsu guys, and then we start to work. It made it, it makes a lot of uh, difference for me because I, I uh, I've been working with my mind different, and now I'm thinking thing, and it changed for me a lot. Of course. I've been training, too, doing all my stuff uh, as the same or more, you know, more professional. But when I changed my life and I started to think positive for everything and believe in me every time, it changed.
1: Did someone help you change? Did someone help you start thinking more positive, have more confidence in you?
4: Yeah, it's my friend Gustavo Dantas, who has the BJJ Mental Coach Program. He lives in Arizona. He's the Brazilian guy, and he teaches jiu-jitsu class there. And he will be in my corner. He, he's always in my corner, and since my my return in UFC, he's always in my corner.
1: Do you remember what the feeling was like after UFC 101 when you were cut from the UFC? Uh, you know, you, you, you had lost a couple fights. Um, you, you weren't obviously performing to the level that you expect of yourself. And now you have to go back and work your way up. You have to go on the regional circuit, so to speak. Do you remember how you felt when you got the news after the Sakara fight, split decision, somewhat controversial, that you were no longer employed by the UFC?
4: Uh, yeah, it was much controversial, but it is what it is, yeah. Uh, There's no, no things to say. I had to do my, my work way better than I did, you know. I, lo- uh, I landed the judges' hands. They did a big mistake. And it happens. It makes me, you know, everything happens for some some reason and wasn't different with me. I was out at the UFC, but the life continues. I was I was still fighting in other shows. And after this one year, I had uh, knee problems. Uh, I had the surgery in my left knee, and then I was coming recovering. And I had another surgery in my right knee. And you know, it it, it makes me stronger. It should be, it, it should it should uh, bring me down. But you know, I was, you know, I put in my mind, it, it have to change something in my life. It it have to bring me more uh Healthy, uh, physically, you know, uh, mentally, spiritually, and all these things, and you know, uh, your your mind is your your brain is control your body, and when I start to to think like this, you know, and everything changed for me, and I had you know that that situation was was uh, very bad for, of course, all the fighters, so. It's a, it's a it's a nightmare for all the fighters that injure. It happens with me, but it passed now, and now I'm I'm hundred percent.
1: Did you think you would get another chance, though? Were you confident that if you won a few fights, you would get a second shot in the UFC?
4: Yeah, why not? Why not? I've been working on it. Yeah, but step by step, my next my next step is the real tough fighter. You know. Uh, real tough talent, and all my, my focus is on team both now.
1: Yeah, and we'll get to that in a second. Um, I heard a story, and I want, I want to see if it's correct, and if you can tell it to us, that it was, in fact, your teammate Jose Aldo who helped get you back into the UFC. Is that true?
4: Yeah, that's true. We were we were having a negotiation, and we just was, you know, waiting for that one okay, and then I was talking to him and said, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try help you, you know, to try to finish you with me in Rio, and then he, he sent some emails and, and it, was, it was, okay.
1: That's amazing! What a good friend.
4: Yeah, we are, we are close friends since a long time. Since, we, since when he comes to, to my house Rio Janeiro, when we we always train together, we are close friends, not only at the gym. Uh,
1: have you talked to him about Conor McGregor? I thought that his, uh, his demeanor and the way he acted. When Connor jumped over the cage and went face to face, he he really came across like a, a real champion, a class act. Have you talked to him about his trip to Boston and what he thought of all of that?
4: Uh, to be honest, it is good to the sport and to the show because McGregor is a great fighter. He deserves the title shot, but you know, and he he brings the the eyes of uh, many people who maybe maybe uh, didn't like the. the the, the UFC and MMA, and now they, are, they have all the attention because that, that, you know, that trash talk and that, that thing, it is good. It is good to the show. It is good to everybody. Uh, most of the, uh, A lot of people want to see that fight, but just a message to McGregor. He's a good fighter. He deserves that Aldo, Aldo will kick his ass definitely. <laughs> Aldo will kick his legs stronger and then and he, will, he won't walk for one week. I can tell you this for sure. How do we knock him out.
1: You think he'll knock him out? Yeah. Have you ever seen him so fired up before a fight? Like, has he ever felt this way about an opponent?
4: I, I'm sorry, I didn't hear.
1: Have you ever seen him so uh, excited for a fight to, to shut someone up? You know, it seems like yes, he's he's smiling and he's calling him the Joker, but deep down, you get the impression that he really wants to beat him up. Have you ever seen him like this before?
4: Who you mean, Josiado? Yeah. Oh, he's he's every time focused on his next opponent. Doesn't matter his his mind is it's excellent. it's hundred percent every time. Doesn't matter what happened. He's every time focused one hundred percent and. I, I, you know, I when I see him, I, I try to bring him, uh, like his style to my to my life too. His, his mind is really strong. Doesn't matter what happens. He's every time thinking positive, focus, and he always believe in his victory. It won't be different. You know, every time the same. Aldo has a when he has a challenger, he put all his mind on that situation, on that challenger, and he beat that guy. Doesn't matter. That fight is for sure uh, number one in the world uh, in the division, and he'll be the guy. He's, okay. he's a
1: beast. I've been wanting to ask you this question for quite some time. You know, I've been so impressed with your return, defeating tough guys like Tom Watson, Ed Herman, Trevor Smith, you TKO'd, Francis Carmont. you KO'd. But what has got me most excited about your return to the UFC is your walkout song. Because on this show, I said that if I ever had a fight, which will never happen, but if I ever did have a fight... I would pick Three Little Birds by Bob Marley as my walkout song because when my first son was born, I used to play him that song all the time. When I hear it, it makes me cry. And I need to know why you pick it because every time you come out to that song, honestly, it makes me want to run and give you a kiss. I love the song so much. I love the choice. Why did you pick that song as your walkout song? Oh, first of all,
4: because I love, you know, Bob Marley's songs and, you know, and, his his, uh, his music means a lot of to me. It's the uh, good things, you know. It's the simple things and good things in the life. What happened in life is is exactly that song. It's a simple song, simple words, two little voices by my daughter singing sweet songs. Uh, everything, you know, is gonna be okay. It's gonna be alright. And you know, my daughter loves that song too. When, since since she was born, I, I used to play that song to her. And wow, it makes makes, uh, makes part of my life. This song. And reggae, reggae music is—it's it's amazing to me. I ever, I love reggae music. Not only Bob Marley, but you know, Nancy uh, uh reggae band from Brazil, Peter Tosh. You know, a lot of a lot of uh, reggae music is every every time good to me. It makes me relax and special. That song makes me feel more confident.
1: So, when did you start using that song?
4: Ah, a long time, a long time. Uh, every time when I, when I, when I fight, I, I used to, 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 to walk with Bob Marley song. And once I said, oh, two little birds, I used to go with the Get Up, Stand Up, uh, No More Trouble. I did it already. I already did uh, uh, Trance on Rock, too, and uh, Could You Be Loved. But that song was, you know, was 100% for me and, you know, makes me relax. Get aggressive and pop them. It is weird, but it is, it is.
1: Against Anderson, which song did you come out to? Uh,
4: I was, I, I, I picked uh, Bob Marley's song, but at the, at the time, Ben uh, White said that I couldn't go with the Bob Marley song because he needs to be more aggressive. And I
1: Uh-oh. I
4: picked uh, Welcome to the Jungle from Gels and Rose at that time. But I, I like Gels and Roses, but, you know. Uh, I think it uh at that time I picked a uh, Bob Marley song for sure and I remember and I couldn't go because the music, the 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 song was so relaxed okay. and they asked for something more aggressive to get in and I picked well, that song.
1: That's unfortunate. I I think you would have won the belt if they let you stick stick with the Bob Marley song. To be honest,
4: <laughs> it's not easy. It's not easy not only this song. There's a lot of things involved.
1: Yeah, do 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 you ever watch that fight again? Do you ever look back at that fight? It was a very bizarre one, and uh, you know they were booing and everything. Do you ever look back at that fight?
4: Yeah, I saw a couple of times. I didn't like definitely.
1: You didn't like watching it. What? You you said you said you saw it a couple of times and didn't like it. Obviously.
4: Yeah, yeah, I didn't like. Uh, I was a challenge. I should go more forward. You know. I had to show to the world why I why I was there and why I deserve to be there, and you know, hunting the belt, and I did, and I was, you know, I was trying doing my my game plan, and at the first and the second round, and then I, you know, when I when it uh, when it didn't work, I got it frustrated, you know, my mind, and you know, happened with exactly what is what you saw, but you know. Uh, it makes me work uh, way better my mind, you know. That, uh, definitely that fight, you know. Uh, if I had a better mind, I don't know if I, you know, will win or not, but I, I, ha- I have to be more aggressive and confident. Anderson is a, is a champion, you know. He beat a lot of guys for a long time, and he deserves, you know, he's returning. And I respect him for sure, but, you know, uh, I, I, I should be more aggressive, definitely. Uh, as a challenger, you know. I should be there more aggressive, and you know, uh, like thirsty, want to show to the world why they should be there.
1: Right, and now and you it are.
4: Makes me frustrated.
1: Yeah, now you're very, uh, you're you're a very aggressive fighter. Yeah. What's your relationship like with Anderson? Do you ever see him now? Are you guys cool?
4: No, I'm okay with him. Uh, we are not close friends for right. sure, but you know, uh, when I when I when I see him, hey, hi, how are you? and... That's thing, I don't ha- I don't have any problems with him and when he fights when he will fight I work for him for sure. He's a Brazilian guy. Is that is he, that he was a champ for a long time. You have to.
1: Of course. Um, is we that you have
4: to, to understand that the one sorry then?
1: No, I was just wondering if, if, if that performance was the, the biggest regret of your career.
4: Uh, is that a performance what?
1: If that performance was the biggest regret of your career.
4: Uh, probably, yeah. You know, because the situation, you know? And it was a, the title shot. You know what I mean?
2: Mm-hmm. How
1: do you see this fight against Tim Boch going on Saturday?
4: Um, and I can tell that we were looking for the submissions and the knockout for every single moment. Well, of course, fighting smart, fighting intelligent, and fighting forward. You know, I'm ready for final stand. Take down, defense, take down the 10 take downs and on the ground. It doesn't matter how the fight goes. I will be ready and I will be aggressive.
1: All right. Well, I look forward to it very much. And are you going to be walking out to uh, Three Little Birds? For sure. All right.
4: confident already. Three Little Birds.
1: Can't wait. And if you win this fight, I'm assuming maybe uh, you, you, you get into the top 10. Is that what you're looking for? You're right now 11.
4: Yeah, I'm 11 right now. Probably I'm going to top 10. I don't know. depends, you know, if I will win or not. depends how I, sure. how I win. A lot of things in the
1: moment. Right, of course. Well, looking forward to the fight. It's happening on the pay-per-view. It's a very big pay-per-view for the UFC. Anderson versus Nick Diaz. Another important fight at 185. Tim Boach versus Talos Ladies, uh, Talos, I know you're flying later tonight, so I really appreciate you coming on the show for a few minutes. I look forward to watching you in action and hearing that song as you walk to the cage on Saturday.
4: Yeah, for sure thank you guys I appreciate our time and i see
1: you soon alright obrigado there he is Tal Slade is stopping by he has really turned around his career he has looked very good as of late and uh, that's an important fight in the 185 pound division Tim Boach a heavy hitter a man who knows a thing or two about comebacks as well uh, he was in desperate need of a victory in his last fight came back um, was not looking good early against Brad Tavares in Maine an important fight for him in his home state. And then he came back, much like he did against Yushin Okami way back when at UFC 144. Came back and uh, and finished Mr. Brad Tavares. So that's happening on Saturday night as well. All right, let's move along. Let's go to our next guest. Hopefully she's here. When I was in Sweden, we were trying to track her down. For the last, you know, for it was like Thursday, Friday, Saturday to get an interview. But she was so elusive, much like she is in the cage. But I think we have finally got our hands on her and she is joining us right now via the magic of Skype. She is the pride of Scotland. The one and only Joanne Calderwood joins us right now. Joanne, how are you?
5: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. So we got you. It's great to have you on the (laughs) show. You're back from Sweden, right? Yeah, I got
5: home yesterday. So pretty tired and jet lagged and, well, not jet lagged, show lagged.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's only a one hour difference, right?
5: No, three hours.
1: Three hours. All right. That's not too bad.
5: Yeah, it's not too bad. But, you know, Saturday and Sunday just ran into one whole day.
1: (laughs) That's true. Um, How did the people receive you? Because I saw you in the hotel. I mean, you're a a fan favorite. The fans love you. Everyone loves you at the event. 30,000 people. What was it like? Did people show you a lot of love?
5: Yeah, yeah, I got a lot of love, and that's my third time in Sweden, so uh, especially Swedish people, they they seem to like me, uh, which is always good. So hopefully, possibly, in the future, I can go back and be on one of their cards.
1: You strike me as the kind of fighter who enjoys going to the fights but doesn't really enjoy it because you'd rather be fighting. Like, yeah, it's fun to watch the fights and take it all in, but you really want to fight and you'd rather be in the cage. Is that accurate?
5: Yeah, like I don't really watch a lot of the fights and stuff because, uh, unless my coach tells me to watch this uh, fight for like to watch the way they move or that, but I'm kind of like a bit jealous and <laughs> yeah, just um and uh, just wanting to be in there. It's so it's, it's good for yeah, a wee while, but then you start to realize, wait a minute, I should be in there and I should be uh, on my next fight and. It should be, yeah, it should be me in there, so... Uh, you,
1: you, you were in the crowd when uh, Alexander Gustafson lost, right? Yeah. What was the mood like it, in there?
5: Wow, well, emotional. Uh, I think everyone was just shocked, like, how quickly the fight was over, and... Yeah, I mean, who doesn't like Alexander, and who doesn't want to see him well, go well and stuff, so... Yeah, he's really humble, and it's just hard to see that. And to be on your home soil, I don't know what he was feeling, but we were all feeling it with him.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I know you have the same management team, so it's a very personal fight for for you and and your team as well. Um, They also announced the the night before that the UFC will finally be going to Scotland in July, July 18th. Um, And now it's January, and one would think that you would be on the card because, you know, you're – Arguably the most famous fighter coming out of Scotland, man or woman. But I get the impression you don't want to wait till July, right?
5: Yeah, like, dude, is uh, like seven months yeah. I don't even want to wait. I don't even want to wait seven weeks. So I spoke to Sean Shelby, and I don't know. I was kind of get my hopes up, and then I don't know if I'm going to get another fight. But I can just all I can do is keep training and. Keep my fingers crossed and, like, make sure everyone's harassing them. And I was harassing them as well, but don't know (laughs) if they listen to the fighters, but they certainly listen to the fans. So if anyone's listening, get on to (laughs) them. I hope. hope, hope, Go ahead. Sorry. Seven months is is far too long.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, hopefully at least one person is listening uh, and they can relay that (laughs) message. Um, Is that the impression he gave you
5: you? Yeah, you just kind of, he says like my record and I don't know, maybe you could answer this like is it because I'm undefeated because I, f- I think there's more girls in the division where a lot more fights and he said it was my experience so I just don't understand.
1: Here's my theory, <laughs> you want to hear my theory? My theory is the next title fight is happening March 14th, right? Yeah they want to save you for a title shot 4 months later in your home country. Now this is just me talking, you know, out of my behind. I have no inside information, but it would seem to work out if they're going to keep you on the sidelines for that long, right? Would you be okay with that scenario?
5: Of course I would be because like Scotland title title defense, I'm on backyard. I'd love that. But at the same time, I like to stay active. And <sighs> But yeah, <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait. If it's for the title, I'll wait.
1: Only if it's for the title. If not, you want to fight and you want it soon. Yeah,
5: yeah, yeah. Only I'll, only that's my... Uh, in fact, actually, I have to do is the UFC essay. So <laughs> if they say you're waiting until uh, July, then basically I'm waiting until July. <laughs>
1: So how did you how did you end it with him? like what did he say to you? I'll get back to you. Like, like where do you stand right now?
5: He says he's thinking about me and he says that uh, he knows how much I want to fight and he's just uh, looking for space and looking at the the division and like he has to take into consideration my record and the co- he says commissions won't let me fight like some of the girls that are uh, wanting to fight me. Yeah, mm. uh, so because they're inexperienced,
1: because they're inexperienced yes. compared to you. Um, is there someone that makes sense for you? Like, like someone that sticks out? Like, ooh, okay, if I fight this person in March or April, that that would be a big fight. That would get me closer to the title in July, perhaps.
5: Yeah, quite fancy any of the girls at the, the, the top. Then I obviously Cadella uh, just uh, closely get defeated by Joanna. So i quite happily fight her before it. Uh, Jessica Penn's also up there. So, yeah, I would fight any of the girls.
1: Who do you think wins between Carla Sparza and Joanna Janjacek?
5: I think Carla will win, but I, th- I hope Joanna wins because if your theory's right, <laughs> and I am fighting in July for the title fence, I would rather uh, face Joanna because I think she would give me Uh, an awesome striking war and the fans would love it.
1: Mm. Um, How has life changed for you since the show? Are you a lot more popular? You walk down the street now. Does everyone know who you are? They're coming to to take pictures, autographs and stuff like that?
5: Yeah. uh, I pretty much don't step outside of the the gym, but yeah, when I do go out, there's a few people that kind of recognize me, but usually I'm under a hat or under my hoodie so <laughs> i could walk past anyone and uh, and they, they not notice so but yes i'm not it's got a, a lot a little bit crazy but i'm still loving i'm living my dream you know so i'm grateful and al- although that small part has changed nothing else has changed that i'm still the same person and still training hard so that's the main thing
1: uh, you don't live in the gym do you I wish. <laughs>
5: Although the, the the crash mat's comfier than my bed.
1: Wow, really? Is that true? That's not a good thing.
5: Yeah. Have you ever lay in a crash mat? It's
1: yeah, like I know. Comfiest but... thing ever. Yeah, I guess. Um, but you say you don't step foot outside the gym. You have to get to the gym from where you live, so at least you you have a bit of a journey, right?
5: Yeah, it's like five minutes. But other than
1: that, you don't do anything outside of training. No hobbies.
5: No, this is my hobby in my life. Just trying to be, uh, get better, and to do that, you have to dedicate a lot of your time to it. So, yeah. I, I mean, I do go out. I go for dinner and stuff. Right. go for my shopping.
1: <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember when you went on Instagram um, while the show was going on, and it seemed like you were a little bit frustrated with the way it was, you know, you guys were being represented the way the, the show was being produced. Um, did you even watch all the episodes, or after a few weeks, and, of course, you knew what happened... Um, did you just say, all right, screw this, I, I, I don't want to be a part of this anymore?
5: I wish I could have done that, but I was doing a blog every week, so oh. I had to watch the episodes. Uh, it was good to see, like, because obviously people want to talk to you about it, and it was good to finally talk to people and see their feedback and stuff. Everything was positive, so although there was a lot of negative things that I took from the show... There was a lot of, there was probably more positive things that I could concentrate on, so it wasn't all bad. Do
1: you regret taking a, taking a part in the show, That would you have rather just gone through the UFC like some of the, the other women that have come in and bypassed the show?
5: Yeah, of course, because they got to fight before me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, and, but I mean, it was a great opportunity and great experience. But it was it was pretty tough and I don't know if I, I don't like having regrets and I don't like saying oh I wouldn't like to do that again because it's kind of got me to where I am now and I wouldn't I had the the awesome fight we see he ham so uh, I mean everything happens for a reason sure
1: and and of course you're you're a lot more popular now although I know that's a gift and a curse when it comes to you uh, what'd you make of your performance against ham were you happy with it
5: yeah, I was. I was really happy with it. Uh, I got some. I got to show some things that I was working on. Uh, I was uh, trying to nail everyone with that spinning back kick, and obviously I, I threw that spinning elbow as well. And although I didn't, uh, I missed once, but I hit away uh, one of them. So it's always good when you can show new techniques and uh, make a highlight reel, <laughs> like a, a move. <laughs>
1: You know, um, some fighters, uh, especially when they come from Europe, they 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 want to move elsewhere, go train elsewhere, because they feel like they need to evolve. We had Joseph Duffy on the show last week, who's going to TriStar in Montreal. Of course, famously, the SBG guys, most of them have stayed close to home. How do you feel about that? Are you are you are you interested? Are you thinking about spreading your wings, or do you feel like you have the right team with you in Scotland?
5: Well, uh, I'll tell you something. before uh, when I was before I started fighting MMA. I- contacted john uh, jackson's mma and i just because i was trying to get a fight and stuff and i was like maybe you do have to go out to one of these camps in america and you you have to train with them and get to know them and that's the way to get fights out there but uh, they never got back to me what and <laughs> when was
1: that how long ago was that
5: well i've been fighting mma now for three years so just three years ago
1: okay before you had any fights yeah okay
5: and so yeah i'm here in, uh, with the dinky ninjas and under james dillon and he's an awesome coach he's really intelligent and he he puts a lot of time in with my training and uh, my fight camp so i mean I, I don't i don't need to go anywhere else a lot of people say i need to go to america and stuff but they don't know what i've got here and they don't know i i'm surrounded by great people and great training partners, and we all feed off each other. So, yeah, I don't want to be anywhere else.
1: You know, the UFC announced recently that uh, Paige Van Zandt is fighting Felice Herrig on Fox, main card on Fox here in New Jersey, actually across the river in New Jersey, not too far from here. Uh, That's a huge deal for the strawweight division. But, you know, they're not the biggest names. They're not contenders. Of course, they're pushing Paige quite a lot. What, what do you make of that? Are you happy that they're getting the opportunity on Fox? Or do you feel like, you know, Paige said to us last week, oh, I know why we're, we're, we're fighting each other. We're the two pretty girls, and that's what they want. Well, what, what are your thoughts on, on on that fight and the opportunity that they're getting? Because women's MMA thus far in the UFC, a, lo- a, lot of those, a lot of those fights haven't been on stages like Fox.
5: I mean, if that's true, then it's pretty shit. And like what I was saying about the what Sean Shelby was saying about my record, I was looking at Paige's record, and Felice Felice Felice's got a ton more experience than her. So Mm. how how can that happen? You know, but I would hope it's not down to their their looks because like it's a sport. At the end of the days, at the end of the day, it shouldn't come down to if you're good looking or not. It should be if you're a good fighter or not. So, but uh, it's going to be a good fight, the two of them, uh, even though, I'm not going to comment if they're good looking or not, but they are good fighters. Sure, sure.
1: No, and I wasn't, by the way, I wasn't asking you to comment on that, but just her theory, (laughs) throwing out that theory, because let's be honest, it comes into play a lot, whether we like it or not for for women's MMA, which is unfortunate, and and I agree with that 100%. What do you make of Paige as a fighter, though? Because she is getting pushed a lot. I mean, she had one fight on Fight Pass, and... And now she's she's really getting a push from the UFC.
5: Yeah, she's she's really young, so she's got a, a massive career ahead of her, so and her record's really good. I think it's like four and one, so yeah, like uh she's got a she's got a ton of experience to get, so they're pushing her in the right direction.
1: I'm I'm um I'm a little torn about your your new Twitter name, Doctor Neville because I think it's amazing. It's it's a very clever name, and I want to ask you where you got it from. But the old one was just amazing. I mean, it was even more amazing than the new one, uh, Bad Mofo Jojo. Did someone tell you that you had to change the name? And if so, where did you come up with Dr. Neville?
5: Yeah, basically when the whole the Ultimate Fighter was coming out, uh, they contacted me because it would be on Fox, and they said that they couldn't use my Twitter hand, handle, and would I uh, kindly change it? So I put it up to the fans, actually, and I said, right, I'm changing my... I have to change my Twitter name. What do you guys want to... What, what yous can pick? So basically, there's was a shitload of <laughs> uh, options, but I picked the uh, Dr. And Evil because uh, one of my Invicta fights... Baz Rutten was commentating, and he said that he he called me that. So wow. A few people had mentioned that, so I, I was right. I'll go with that. But now on UFC, like, uh, they're saying, like, my nickname's Bad Mofo, and I'm like, oh, okay, is it back in play, or <laughs> what am I doing here? Did you ask them? So, you
1: should ask Sean that question, no, too. no.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't ask. I just assumed that it's okay now. Like it's not on the ultimate fighter now, so can do what I want or
1: So are you gonna go back uh, to I it? like
5: Doctor Yeah, I also put this up to the fans. What do you, do you want it back or what? But uh everybody really liked the uh, Doctor Neville. So my Instagram's bad mofo, so I've got both of them.
1: What did, what did they say when they announced you in the cage? I forget now.
5: A uh, Bruce Buffer, I don't, uh, they asked me if I wanted a nickname. I just said uh just say Joanne Calderwood. No nickname. <laughs> nah, <laughs> cause at at the time I was like, I don't know if the, cause you know bad mofo. you know what it stands for. Sure. So when they they pointed it out to me, I was like, oh shit, yeah, it's quite bad.
1: <laughs> well, so maybe. <yeah>. <laughs> well, you didn't know. It. You didn't know until they pointed it out to you what it meant.
5: I mean, I got what they were trying to say. Sure. Like if like people were. If young people were looking at it, and I got I got what they were meaning. Like it, it is not a nice name, but I I'd never want it to, to like kind of come across <laughs> like that. But yeah, let maybe me ask the next you, time, Bruce Buffer.
1: So. Yes, let's uh, let's ask you two more questions, and then I'll let you go. What does your lovely mother think about your success? They showed her at the beginning of the Ultimate Fighter. You have a great relationship with her. She seemed a little bit emotional about you leaving home. What does she make of all of this?
5: Ah, oh, she was emotional because, you know, when she was doing that in the video, she was, like, putting my washing and yeah. Uh, like, so she was probably just emotional. She had to do all my, my washing. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, she supports me 110%, and she's great. So she's a really positive and great uh, role in my life. So I thank her for uh, the way I've turned out and stuff. So...
1: She'll be at the fight in Scotland, I presume?
5: Oh yeah, yeah. She always like wakes up, so this is good that it'll be in her, her time zone, same with yeah. everyone else from Scotland.
1: <laughs> and and finally, I'm just wondering, you know, you're so soft-spoken, you're, you're 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 such a smiley person, a happy person at least it seems. What pisses you off? What gets you most upset? Is it when they don't give you a fight? Is it when you're on the sidelines watching these other people fight? What really gets Joanne Calderwood upset? Is there anything?
5: Yeah. Hey, we're just talking about you. <laughs> That's my mum. Wow, <laughs> can I say hello to her? She must... Yeah, mum, uh, come say hi.
1: Hello there. Hello. Mrs. Calderwood, how are you?
5: She can't hear you, but Oh. just say hello.
1: I'm a big hello. fan. I love mothers.
5: <laughs>
1: I hope to meet you one day. Tell her I'm a fan.
5: He's a fan. No, I, I'm not going to speak to her in case she embarrasses me. <laughs> oh, come on. She loves you very
1: much. Um, what, what what bothers you? What gets under your skin?
5: Uh, probably when I don't don't get enough sleep. Oh, really? <laughs> but, yeah, I love my sleep, and obviously I need it my, the way I train and stuff, but no, not a lot of things pisses me off. But, uh, yeah, in, lack of sleep and not having a fight coming up.
1: Well, on that note, you don't have a fight coming up. You're probably tired from your trip, so then I really appreciate you coming <laughs> on the show because both those things are happening right now, too. Uh, looking forward, as always, to watching you fight. You're, you're such an exciting fighter, and it was great to see you in uh, in, in Sweden over the past weekend. And, th- and thank you for doing this interview. I really appreciate it as well.
5: No problem. Anytime, that <laughs> <laughs> and That's you so- a promise. <laughs> All
1: right. Thank you so much. There she is, Joanne Calderwood, Bad Mofo Jojo, a.k.a. Dr. Neville, the pride of Scotland, Joanne Calderwood, one of the very best strawweights in the world. She is ranked number five right now in the UFC. And she's looking for a fight. Let's see what happens. So if you want to know the uh, the latest about my flight, I got canceled Wednesday morning. They're giving me like a play-by-play, but now I have a new fight. How about that? A new flight, I should say. Thinking about people not having fights. So up next, we are going to. Right now, I'm going to be joined by, the latest sensation, in the UFC. His name is Makwan, Amirkani. He made his debut, of course, on Saturday night. He defeated Andy Ogle in just eight seconds. And this man is beloved in Finland and now all over the world. Taking the UFC by storm, taking the world of MMA by storm. He joins us right now via the magic of Skype. There he is, Mr. Finland himself, Makwan Amirkani. Makwan, how are you?
2: I'm fine, thanks. you.
1: I am great. What a pleasure it is to have you on the show. You are you an are overnight sensation, as they say here in the States. Everyone talking about you, excited about you. What has the last 48 hours been like for you?
2: Well, who's this fellow? This one. He will be the future champ.
1: Oh, wow. What's his name? So
2: your
6: name?
1: Liam. Liam? Yeah.
2: Show your fist.
1: Oh yeah, he looks like a tough guy. Missing a couple of those teeth. Is, is that is that your son?
2: No, it's my friend's son.
1: Oh, okay. He's box.
2: They will see.
1: So what has? A little bit shy. That's okay, I understand. But it's great to have you on the show, Liam. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, so, Makwan, what do you think? I mean, the last 20, uh, forty-eight hours, thirty-six hours or so, it's been unbelievable. What has it been like for you?
2: Well, first I didn't sleep for like uh, one day. <laughs> Then I haven't like got the time to be alone and think mm-hmm. about it. but uh, wow, it's a huge step for me. I didn't expect this, and uh, I knew that it's going to be a short fight, but I didn't know that I will make this kind of like a move that everybody will know me and you know. I'm happy. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Clearly, you have a big smile on your face. Uh, Any good stories? Like anyone reach out to you and say, wow, I was watching someone from Finland, a famous person, someone reach out to you. Anything good happen as a result of this?
2: Uh, Just good things. Like uh, people in Finland, they are are going crazy. The girls are like chasing me and I'm just running away and hiding.
1: Managers are fighting.
2: (laughs) My managers are fighting. Yeah. everybody try to like uh, get uh in touch of me like uh uh one thing is uh, uh i have always respond to every messages that i get but i need to say now to everybody that i'm very thankful uh, for the messages that i get from you guys but uh just want that they understand me that uh It will take amount of time to answer to everybody. But I will answer. I will use the time that it needs to answer to everybody. Even there will be millions of messages.
1: And I'm assuming the girls chasing you, that's that's nothing new for you, right? I mean, that's just a typical day in your life.
2: Uh,
1: (laughs) Maybe it's reached a whole other level now. Now it's just a lot more. But I'm assuming here and there it's always happened.
2: Yeah. It's something like
1: that. Well, well, let's answer the question that I think a lot of people want to know: Are you a single man? Me? Yes. Yes, I am. Oh wow! Now things got a lot more interesting.
2: I was in a big uh, relationship. Uh, it was like five years, and when I broke up, uh, that that was a time when I stopped training uh, and have a look for a uh for a girl or relationship so my concentrate has been in actually in wrestling not in MMA but now when I got this UFC contract uh, this was the first time when I I actually like uh concentrate hundred percent for just MMA so that's why eight seconds <laughs> uh, cra- it was, uh you guys need to look at Look that fight again. It's not eight seconds. It's six. Really? Yep.
1: How many times have you watched it?
2: <laughs> I think millions of times. Like, uh, there are different kinds of videos. They made this thug live yes. video. I'm, I have, it's so funny.
1: 66,000 views right now I saw this morning.
2: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a beast. <laughs>
1: are, you, are, are you a thug? You, oh, here it comes. Here's the apple. Are you eating an apple right now?
2: Oh. It's not apple. It uh, was in front of me, like, one hour. I was like, okay, now I'll take
1: it. What is going on with this apple thing? You're eating an apple, you're eating a plum. Well, let's show this video while he talks about it. There there are videos of you eating fruit online in, in a very, uh, dare I say, sensual way. What is going on over here?
2: Uh, actually, I sent that video to one, a friend of mine. He, was, uh, he hates that sound, so... When I realized that he is hating, that then I knew that uh, actually everybody hates it. So let's put it, let's put it like uh, on Facebook, so to let people hate me even more.
1: So you don't mind that 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 people may hate you, that you might come across as cocky?
2: Nah, I don't. Uh, they can hate me if they want, uh, but I don't hate people. It takes a lot of energy from a human if you want to hate. Some people. Uh, I rather love people. It's it's much better.
1: You're a lover, not a fighter. Mm. <laughs> Wait, now you're cutting the apple? Is that what's happening here? This is not as fun. No,
2: piece- I ate uh, orange.
1: Oh, orange. Okay, a different kind of fruit. That's exciting. So, of course, everyone talking about uh, Joe Rogan and what he said about the fight, what he said to you afterwards... You know, I know you said in the in the the press conference that you thought he was a little bit drunk, but honestly, did you feel like he took away from your moment?
2: No, actually, I had uh, there was this funny thing somebody wrote to internet that I'm hundred percent sure that when the drug test will come out, <laughs> Markwon will have positive in ecstasy. So I, I was like so happy. I didn't, uh, uh, it didn't bother me. So. Uh, It was in a different way. It was a good thing because people started to talk about it even more. I got more attention. So thank you, Joe Rogan.
1: And that that was really a dream of yours? Like when you were a kid, you remember thinking that, uh, you know, you want to be on Fear Factor, you want to talk to Joe Rogan?
2: Yeah. uh, I love his voice, the way he... Uh, talks it's uh, something that I will never forget when I was a kid we were watching this fear factor with my family and so I have good memories of that so that's why it was uh, uh, and we were in training today and there was this another UFC fighter Niklas Baxter and he said I'm so jealous you met Joe Rogan <laughs> when I was fighting uh, in Berlin he wasn't there
1: so you went back to the gym today no breaks for you
2: no man Back to office
1: and and uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You're moving from Finland to Sweden. You're gonna you're gonna train full time at All Stars.
2: Yeah, I will do that. Uh, uh, in All Stars, you don't have to worry that uh, is there somebody in, uh, is there people in training. There is it's always full and everybody has their own goals. So it's it's uh, I don't feel like I'm the only one who is chasing something. Everybody is like. A, like they have same mission that i have so it's good to be with them uh,
1: what, what what was the mood like at the gym today after what happened on saturday
2: uh, well when i went to the gym everybody was clapping their hands and saying good things to me so i felt very happy
1: but of course you know the leader of the team alexander Gustafson lost so were people down or are they are they they still positive that the team will rebound
2: well, of course it affects, and I was like uh, hoping so much that Alexander wins that fight because our after party depends on him. So <laughs> when he lost, then everybody was locked down. But uh, I'm, it. I don't doubt that Alexander will come much back, like much stronger.
1: So, did you have an after party? No, it got canceled. Nope. So, how did you Just, celebrate?
2: We went back to the hotel, and I was just uh, teasing Bert Watson and took some videos with him, and we were just uh, in my room and watching video clips and talk about everything.
1: Do you think it's absolutely crazy to even suggest that this was an early stoppage? I mean, do you think it's clear-cut, 100%, that was the right call when he made it?
2: Uh, of course it was a wrong call, what Joe Rogan said. Right, right. Uh, I would... Uh, uh, if the referee wouldn't come between us, I would do, like, very bad damages to Andy Ogle, so it was, a uh, just good thing for Andy that he came between us.
1: Uh, you're originally from Iran, right? Yes. When did you move to Finland?
2: Well, we came to Finland in 93.
1: Why did you leave?
2: Uh, there was a war against uh, Iran and Iraq, so it was a good place to us, and... Saddam Hussein went crazy, so we just ran away. We came to Finland and it was a good move.
1: Why did your family choose Finland?
2: I don't know. I think they didn't like the warm weather, so we (laughs) came to Finland.
1: And uh, I was reading your bio. You said that your hero is your father because he he took you guys out of Iran, but uh, he's no longer with us. Uh, When did he pass away?
2: A uh, year after when we were in Finland, actually. He was uh, 11 years in war. Wow. So wow. he got shot 11 times. Uh, they were like uh, always like three months in a the war. Then they came, came back and just repeat that 11 years. So when we came to Finland, they he put us in a wrestling club right away. And uh, when I broke my finger in a la- not this UFC fight, but last fight. Before that, uh, doctor said that you won't hit with that finger, uh, with that uh, arm anymore. So I was thinking like uh, six months I didn't do anything. Then my brother said that, do you want to throw everything away or what? So I quit my job and I told my mom that, can you just make food for me and uh, wash my clothes so i can like one time to put everything into this board and watch what happens so it was a good move
1: and and you currently live with your mother
2: yeah Yeah, uh, i don't i don't have a girlfriend or wife so uh and she hasn't like a new husband and he she doesn't want because uh, i remember she said to us uh she wants to be uh, loyal to my dad, so she wants to show us what this love is about, so that's a good way to show your kids that uh, having someone uh, in your life is uh, much more than just uh, getting married or something.
1: Sure. And and you mentioned in the uh, press, and by the way, I love that, and I and I agree with her wholeheartedly, you mentioned in the press conference that you're going to buy her a new bed, like 10,000 euros. So so, right now she was sleeping on a mattress?
2: Yeah, in a living room.
1: How come? How many people live with you?
2: Uh, only two, but there is my sister in the other room, and I have my own room. So uh, she sleeps in a living room.
1: And your mom was at the fight?
2: Yeah. What was your reaction? Was so nice. What was it like well, when you saw her? Uh Well, of course, I was, I was like, uh, I need to be smiling that she doesn't cry, but I I cried before. She and everybody recognized me at the uh, audience, so they stood up and everybody was clapping their hands. It was uh, even the fight was going on there; they didn't care about the fight. Everybody was just clapping their hands. It was such a moving uh, moment.
1: One of the happiest moments of your life.
2: Yeah, it was it. I think uh she will live much longer now,
1: yeah, um and are you gonna are you gonna move out like forget about the new bed. are you gonna get a new place so that you know you can have more space with your sister and mother
2: yeah, I will do something if, uh, that changed their life uh, I will be in Stockholm, so
1: right they're not coming with you
2: no, we have like I have five sisters and two older brothers and wow. And I had actually one other brother. I, he passed away too. So uh, we don't want to move like far away uh, because she will be alone if we move out. So we try to be like uh, close to her.
1: Have you bought the bed yet?
2: Yeah, uh, I'm still in Sweden, but uh, I go back Thursday and I have some media meetings. So after that, we surprise her with my sisters. We go and buy a bed.
1: Is this all yes. a little overwhelming for you, all this stuff? The media and everything, everything has changed for you in the span of a few days. Is it a bit overwhelming?
2: Well, yeah. In Finland, they are uh, calling me a new Zlatan of Finland. So <laughs> it, it's a huge thing. Uh, like Life can change in Six seconds.
1: Six seconds. And when do you want to get back in there? Because I know you haven't been punched, and you say you're, you are, you're very proud of the fact that in your fights, you don't get punched in the face, so you're, you're healthy right now. When do you want to get back in there?
2: Well, I want that the uh, UFC gives me a time to train and be much better in the next fight. Like, But maybe in this year, uh, I, I don't want that, they want that they throw me to the wolves, but uh, I'm like uh, Aladdin. <laughs> diamond that hasn't been found yet so just let me train and I'll entertain people
1: and is there anyone in particular that you would like to fight no
2: i don't have anything in my mind anyone in my mind actually i don't even watch ufc if i want, want I, I need to be honest uh that was uh, i have watched only one ufc fight now, and this was second and i was fighting before.
1: What was that first event?
2: Uh, it was this Boston. I was in Sweden. I was like, <laughs> and my friends were like, uh, would you like to come and watch UFC? I was like, okay, I can come.
1: Wait, the one last week with Conor yeah. McGregor? That's the first fight you've ever seen? Yeah. That's un- unbelievable. You never watched anything before. What, why did you even become a fighter then? How did you even know what it was?
2: Like I said, I didn't want to throw uh, 21 years of hard work away. And um, I don't want to use any more like a uh, time that I use in training. Uh, my free time is something else. It's not uh, about the sport. Oh, only sport that I watch is tennis.
1: Tennis. So what do you do in your free time? Like, what's your, your favorite hobby?
2: I like to go fishing.
1: Fishing. Is it yeah, popular that's... in Finland? Fishing.
2: Yeah. We... What what uh, what it's... fish in particular? Well, uh, usually I I don't get anything, but, <laughs> but it's, uh, that's that's normal to me and my uh, cousin. We go fishing like a, in the summer, like every day, but we don't get anything. And it's just uh, we went to Norway, and a friend of us said that you need to come and fish with us. We will get like a big fishes, and there is like a ocean. So fishing in Norway is like a huge thing. So we went to fishing and everybody next to us got like big fishes and we didn't get anything, so we said, I think it's good to just stop.
1: Well, you have more success inside the cage. My final question for you is, your nickname is Mr. Finland. You came in second place, right, in this competition. Are you considering re-entering the competition? Because I think now with your newfound fame, there's no chance that you lose that thing.
2: No, I'm in UFC now. I need to concentrate on that and It's good to be, uh, it was a good move that I uh, went to that beauty contest because it's a pretty bad thing for fighters if you lose for a model. That's true. It must hurt if your friends are like, ah, you lost to a pretty boy.
1: (laughs) I love it. What a story. Congratulations on your win, on your success in your UFC debut. I look forward to watching your career and... Uh, I think I saw him over there. Thank you very much to uh, Thomas for hooking us up with you today.
2: Thank you. Was your name Ariel?
1: Yes, that's my name.
2: Uh, I think your parents washed a lot of clothes because they gave you this name.
1: Well, not quite. My parents are also from the Middle East. Really? My mom is from Lebanon and my dad is from Egypt. Salaam alaikum.
2: Salaam alaikum, brother.
1: See, we're, we're, we're brothers, you and I.
2: Yeah. I salute you.
1: <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, all the best to you, my friend. Enjoy your, your newfound success and fame, and I'll see you very soon. I appreciate you coming on the show today.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: All right, there he is. Makwan Amir Khani stopping by the Overnight Sensation. Wins in eight seconds, although he says it's six seconds. Great stuff out of him. Beautiful to see stories like that. Oh, I forgot to tell New York Rick something. Are you having trouble connecting with Cormier? I think I have a new name for you. You have a new name? Oh. Um. Here it is. I'm going to call Daniel Cormier now. He was with me in Sweden working for Fox. It's so great when you have these stories, guys coming out of nowhere. I mean, honestly, how many of you out there knew who Makwan Amir was? This time last week? I'm guessing very few of you. Now, here we are talking about this guy defeating Andy Ogle. I think it was 100% the right call. Came out there with a flying knee, much like the Maximo Blanco fight. <laughs> Uh my <laughs> I knew this was gonna happen. My my mother is watching the show right now, and uh she's not a fan of the, the the comment from Amir Khani about my name. There is a uh laundry detergent named Ariel, which I think is only popular overseas, perhaps only in the Middle East. And uh, I think that's what the joke was. I think he was trying to pay me a compliment saying that I'm a clean guy something like that. But anyway, it's funny his name is like Amir Khan except you put an i at the end. It's always fun when they go to these new markets. They give a guy a chance, of course he has a connection to Sweden. He's from Finland now and he becomes this big star all of a sudden. And that's the beauty of having the show on Fox Sports 1 as opposed to uh, a Fight Pass show, which these events have typically um, been been taking place on because now a lot more people are talking about him, getting all excited about him. Heck, they could have thrown that thing on Fox. It was just eight seconds long. I did briefly speak to Andy Ogle afterwards. Obviously, he was uh, he was down, but he did mention something interesting about being in a better place now you know he he went to train at Alpha Male for six months leading up to the fight. Uri Faber was very excited about him, and uh, he said, you know, in the past he may have taken a loss like that a lot harder, but now he feels like now he kind of feels like you know he he did everything he could to win that fight. He he put it all out there. He he gave it his best shot, and it's hard to to walk away with your head down when you know that you gave it your all. So that's part of a maturation of a fighter and. Speaking of of that kind of mindset or a fighter trying to regroup after a loss, I I, I did speak to Akira Khorasani. I mentioned this on the post-fight show. He lost to Sam Cecilia. Another brutal knockout. And he said that, you know, he could fight until he is done, until he is dead. But he doesn't believe his brain can take much more damage. And he implied that this, this is gonna be it for him. I also spoke to his longtime friend and coach, Roger Mamadov, who actually has a school a couple blocks from where i live in williamsburg brooklyn and he said he 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 doesn't want to be a part of that anymore he he thinks it's time to uh to say goodbye the school's williamsburg mma that's where akira trained for this fight oh Cormier gave me the wrong name. There it is. Yeah, there it is. There's the right one. Daniel Cormier, always uh always giving us some trouble, huh? How's the look out there? Blizzard still going nuts? Everyone going crazy over there. It's happening. My friends over at severemma.com giving me the heads up. Uh, their Conor McGregor docu-series starts tonight on RTE2. That's in Ireland, 10 p.m. GMT, 5 p.m. Eastern Time, or on RTE.ie/slash live. You can watch it there. Got a sneak peek of that. It looks very good. They followed him for several months, and it's going to be airing. I don't think it's going to be airing right now in the United States, but if you're watching us in Ireland, I know a lot of people are, tonight on RT2 10 p.m. GMT, part one of their Conor McGregor docuseries. All right, let's move along now and go back to the Skype machine. Is he there? Yes, there he is. Daniel Cormier, what's going on, my friend?
7: I'm good, man. How about you?
1: I mean, you give us three different Skype names. Thankfully, we got it done. Good thing we're not a live show or anything.
7: It wasn't that many, bro. I'm just saying, greetings from Sweden. Still on Swedish time. It's almost bedtime. Are you tired? Oh, I'm about. To, I'm. I'm actually about to hit the sack for the for the evening.
1: Can I just say something? You didn't really adapt well to the uh, Swedish experience. You were complaining about the food, the time zones. I mean, you were a bit of a uh, a crabby was... appy over there. <laughs>
7: Hey man, I don't deal well with uh with the time with the time with the difference. I just slept the whole time and it was cold. It was uh it was it was actually terrible. <laughs> and, and the were- weather and stuff. The people were great. The people were great, but the time, everything else was pretty bad.
1: And and, and you had to work at like five a.m. right after the fight. Were you tired?
7: I didn't. Get back, we didn't get back to the hotel. I didn't get back to the hotel until. Uh, me and the people from Fox, we got back at what six o'clock in the morning. We got back from the show, but you know what though, Ariel, man, it was an unbelievable show. Uh, just, just the amount of people and everything was crazy. You know, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a big, big event. Feel.
1: Did, did being a part of something like that get your juices flowing again? Obviously, you were down after the loss, but did it kind of reignite you a little bit?
7: Um, you know what, man, uh, a, a little, you know. But, but the only thing that really kind of gets you going again is just time. You know, I just time I had time to, 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 to start to feel better, get back out into the world and, 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 and kind of see the division start to shake up and play up, play out. I mean, and uh, that's what kind of gets you going a little bit more than more than the actual event. The event was cool. I was a fan in there and it felt good to watch it as a fan.
1: Are you over Jones yet or is it is it a little tough to get over it in like three, four weeks?
7: No, I mean, I'm not over it. It'll It'll never be over. You know, I mean, I. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a sore loser or anything, but you know, nothing, nothing changed. You know, there's, there's no relationship between John and I, there won't be a relationship between John and I. And uh, I just hope that we can cross paths and, and not actually go after each other because I, if that would happen, you know, I, I wouldn't be opposed to it. (laughs)
1: Like if you see him, if you're in Vegas working a fight or you're at some kind of convention, you see him, you're afraid you might go after him.
7: No, no, I don't think I'm going to just go after them. I mean, but we may, you know, I think after all the hard feelings, you know, the, the words will probably still be flowing, you know. Anytime you have a situation like that where things are, are so real, it doesn't just disappear, you know.
1: Yeah. You know, um, it was, it was obviously, you know, there was a lot of emotions and everything like that. And I remember seeing you at the press conference and he wasn't letting it go. I mean, you were sitting there, your head down, and he's just going on and on and on about, you know, not feeling bad and all that stuff. Was that one of the tougher things? Was that one was tougher than the loss, just having to sit there and listen to him after the fight?
7: No, I mean, the loss was tough, you know, more than anything, you know, honestly, Ariel, you know, for me, uh, at the end of it, I thought that that is that's exactly what he should have done. Mm. You know, I mean, would I have done that? No, but uh, that's exactly what sh- he should have done as a warrior. You know, John said a couple things that stuck with me. It was, uh, you know, I don't feel sorry for him. This is combat, that's the truth. You shouldn't feel sorry for me. He he won on that night, you know, he he got his hand raised, so you know, he he, he had the right type of attitude. So, no, I mean obviously I was pretty emotional because I put so much into this and I, I thought I could get the job done, but you know what? No, man. I, I think it, it, it just serves as motivation.
1: Was this a tougher pill to swallow than the Olympics?
7: You know what, man? I think so. Because, uh, in the Olympics, you know, I did some things wrong, you know, not dieting the correct way, not, not, uh, not, not always doing things right. And this time I did, you know, so I thought all my, my ducks were in a row. I thought the stars were going to align for me and they didn't. So, uh, yeah, it was tough. You know, it was very tough. I, I really did believe in my heart that I could get the job done and and when I didn't, it was it was tough.
1: How big of a deal was it not having Kane to train with?
7: You know, man, now looking back, now looking back, uh I'm talking to Bob Cook and, and my management, it's like uh it was a very big deal because because when I got to that fourth round and fifth round, I didn't have that push in the gym that I needed to make sure that I was okay. You know? Mm. So, uh, yeah, it was a very big deal. It was a very big deal. Not having Kane because Kane, you need those days where you're in the gym and you don't, you don't just have success. You get beat up. Like there are days where Kane will literally just beat me up. And I needed that in preparation for someone like Jones, you know? So, uh, you saw you saw the, 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 the beginning of the fight. I was able to keep a pace that I wanted to keep for five rounds, but I didn't necessarily have anyone to, to push me in that fourth and fifth round to make me do that. So it was a it was it was a big deal not having Velasquez for this fight. But you know what? At the end of the day, you know, John got the job done. And uh, I, I, you know, hats off to him.
1: Uh, you told me after the fight that uh, the are you OK over there?
7: Yeah, I'm just telling Selena bye. She's going to yoga.
1: Oh, okay. That's nice. Tell her goodbye as well.
7: Ariel said goodbye.
1: <laughs> um, you told me after the fight that you took the fourth round off. Do you regret that?
7: I do. I do. You know, you can't think your way through a fight. You know, I, I, uh, I fought very hard the first three rounds. And, and then in the fourth round, uh, if you watch our body language, I think uh, you watch the fourth round back, you watch our body language – And Jones kind of was standing there waiting for me to press him again. And then I didn't. And that's when he started to kind of come forward and go, okay, I can kind of start to do my thing a little bit. And that's just me as an analyst, not even me as a fighter. You know, I, I was thinking, you know, first three rounds, very competitive. Uh, I was doing well, uh, fourth round was, I don't know, you kind of thinking your way through the fight, like kind of take a breather and then try to win the fifth. But John took the momentum and I was never able to get it back, which was, which was a very bad mistake on my behalf. Uh, first three rounds you know were very competitive rounds we were both hitting each other uh scored punches and uh it was very competitive you know and and, and watching the fight back you know you I'm not exactly sure uh how uh going into the fourth round I, I wasn't winning the fight
1: so you think that it was it was wrong the the judges scorecards you think you should have been up
7: well, I mean, you know, I see how I I firmly believe that as a champion, you get the uh, benefit of the doubt. So I don't have a problem uh, seeing them uh, seeing them scoring around sc- scoring the fight four to one. But I, I also thought more realistically, uh, just uh, the second and third round, I thought I won those rounds. But he won the fight. Make no mistake about it, John won the fight. Right. First round, John won. Uh, he won the fourth round going away, and then the control that he was able to put on me in the fifth round won him the fight. So. Uh, he won the fight third third round was very very close uh and if they scored it for him it's not like it's a it's a robbery i'm just saying i thought that uh well i mean just looking at the judges scorecards, you know two judges scored the second round for me one scored the third round for me so uh people actually thought those two rounds were very close i guess
1: have you been able to watch it since it happened
7: i've watched it a hundred times really i've watched a hundred times why and watch I just, it so
1: much why put yourself through that
7: You have to make it. It has to burn, Ariel. It has to feel so bad. It has to punch you in the gut every time you watch it, and I do. And every time I watch it, I watch a very competitive fight, and then I watch one guy stay the course, and I watch one guy get off course, and that guy is me. And I watch my facial expressions change, and I watch my demeanor change, and I I watch me go into a mode that I shouldn't have been fighting, and I should have continued to go forward. I should have continued to pressure him and press him, and uh, there was a moment in that fourth round, man, where, where, where one guy was going to go up and one guy was going to go down. And if you look at us both, there was concern on both faces. He was able to get through it and actually do his thing and won the fight.
1: How much does the, the wrestling kill you Like that, that that you weren't able to take him down?
7: It didn't. You know, it, it doesn't. You know, and people ask me before. You can go look at my tweets. You know, what if John takes you down? I said, well, I'll just get back up. And that's exactly what I did. Sure. You know, so... It wasn't. It wasn't. It wasn't that it. it, it you know, it, it surprised me that he could wrestle. Uh, um, he pushed me against the cage and got his hands locked. I mean, he's a tall guy. You know, it's hard to defend whenever a guy that tall gets you against the cage and gets your hands locked. But uh, wrestling situations out in the open, neither one of us had much success at all. Uh, we tried, but neither one of us was able to score. And then um, I could never get on his legs. He did a very good job of actually uh making sure that my hands didn't get completely locked around his legs because if they did uh I thought I could finish the takedowns as I did in the fifth round when I was able to finally get my hands clasped around his legs I was able to take him down uh but he did a very good job you know hats off to his coaching staff they know they know me when we were chest to chest clinches they did a fantastic job of him uh keeping my hips away so that I couldn't get inside to tie him up and uh yeah, they did, they did a good job. His coaching staff did a really good job, and I thought I made some, some mistakes inside of the fight.
1: How about him breaking out the suck it sign at the end?
7: You know, man, uh, you know, he just, you know, he just, I don't know. It's just it was, it was his initial, his immediate reaction. You know, he was going off of emotion still at that point. You know, he had, he had uh, I should have never stopped, stopped uh, fighting whenever uh, he picked his hands up. Mm-hmm. He, he hit me and then my you know my reaction was to swing back i i guess it was a little after the whistle i'm not i'm not exactly sure but in that moment you're just kind of still fighting but um i should have never i should have never stopped fighting uh his init- his immediate reaction was to to do that which is which is fine you know all that again all that serves as motivation like it's all we you know as i told john before you know this isn't the end of this like this does not end because we fight tomorrow night you know, we, we will be, uh, we will have, uh, you know, this, this stuff going on for the rest of our lives.
1: Uh, final thing on John, you know, it's it's unfortunate you weren't able to really, you know, lick your wounds and, and do what you have to do after a loss because of the cocaine thing coming out. I mean, you were thrown right back into the mix doing media, all that stuff. What's your take on that whole situation now that it's over? You know, he was fine. He did the interview. I'm sure you've seen all of this. The way it was handled, you not finding out before him being allowed to fight. What's your take on the whole situation?
7: Well, I mean, you know, again, you know, as I've said time and time again, you know, you just kind of hope that he, he finds a, a, a help and, and gets going in the right direction. But you know what, man? None of that mattered Because as I look back on it, I think if they would have said, well, he had this, this or the other, he failed this or he did this, I would have still fought him. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that big a deal. You know, like it's not like if they would have said, well, he failed the test for cocaine, whatever that stuff is. I would have said, Well, I'm not gonna fight him, take his title. I would have said, Okay, that's fine. Let's still fight on January third, you know. So it wouldn't have changed anything. So it doesn't change anything for me now, you know. He won the fight, man. He got he went to the MGM grand on January third and he got the job done. Uh so it's whatever. You know, I don't really I don't really think about it. I don't care. You know, I'm just really trying to sit here and, and figure out what's next.
1: Would you have liked to have known beforehand at least?
7: No, I don't, I don't, I don't mm. care. Like it didn't matter you know, okay. because it wouldn't have changed anything. If it would have, if, if I was a guy that it would have changed something. Yeah, but it, it didn't, it didn't matter. Like, what are they going to do? Tell me he, he took some recreational drugs and that that's, it's going to put the fight at risk. I would have, uh, reality is I probably would have said, well, we don't, we don't need that to uh, be public because I want to make sure, sure we fight.
1: Okay. So let's talk about what's next. You were there in Sweden. You saw Rumble Johnson out I mean, it was unbelievable stuff. And I know you were, you were, you were flip-flopping a little bit. You picked him, you didn't pick him. But honestly, did you expect Rumble Johnson to do that to Gustafsson in Sweden of all places?
7: Man, I tell you, man, I was Friday. I watched him at the weigh-ins, and then afterwards, I was like, Anthony's gonna win this fight. You know, I was like, he's gonna win this fight, and he's gonna do it uh, impressively. And then afterwards, I got to thinking about it. I'm watching the fights again. I'm like, man, you know what really skews us? It's these fights at 170, and then the Vitor Belfort fight at the the catchweight. Yeah, that's what messes with me. Because I'll go back and I'll watch those as I prepare for a rumble fight. And I'm like, well, what if this fight goes long? What if this, you know, what if he gets tested uh, as he did in the cost check fight? What if he gets tested? You know, and I'm like, yeah, that's probably going to be what cost him. But then I was wrong. And, and you know what? But it's like, it's not, I'm not, this is not like, I'm not basing these 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 uh, thoughts on nothing. I'm going back and watching performances. where sometimes even at 170, Anthony looked ridiculous. And then other times he just didn't look as good. So it's like. I'll watch these things and then I'll watch Gustafson and you don't find those performances from Gustafson. So it's almost like you just kind of, I was kind of safe, I guess.
1: And so do you think he has a shot against John?
7: Man, let me tell you something. As you watch uh, John and I's fight, you know, I, I was able to hit him a lot of times and, uh, I don't know the exact number, but if, if, if he, he cannot take those types of punches against Anthony Johnson, I think Anthony is a phenomenal puncher. I think he's a, he's a, he's an unbelievable, uh, a uh, kickboxer and, and his confidence right now is through the roof man I I uh I believe he does have a chance um as a betting man I I don't know if I would pick him in this fight just for uh all the tools that Jones has uh and I think that you know as I said you know John he's he's smart he's smart inside the cage and uh or you know he uh I think he'll 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 try to find ways to actually uh uh, take away Anthony's biggest uh, weapons.
1: And so I'm wondering who you want to win that fight because Rumble presents a new opponent for you and gets you right back in there, but John is still the guy that you really want to beat and you're still very much in the mix. So when you watch it, who will you be rooting for?
7: I will be rooting for anyone. I mean, any anybody, you know, uh, in, in those aspects, but in terms of the person, Anthony Johnson. We root for Anthony Johnson. He's a great guy. You know, I talked to Rumble. I texted Rumble, you know, and and uh, I'll wish him the best. I'll give him any clues that we may have saw over the course of the fight and some feels that I felt. But um, professionally, uh, you know, obviously you always want to be the guy that beats the guy, and Jones has been the guy. So uh, I'll be rooting for Rumble Johnson to, to get the job done. And and you know what, man? The thing about Rumble Johnson winning is that it changes the division. It's always nice when the division changes, but – it doesn't really change where we are in terms of getting a title shot again. Because if John loses, he gets another title shot. So uh, John losing would actually make it worse for a guy hoping to mm. get back and fight for the championship.
1: That's interesting. So I was asked at the beginning of this show, who do I want to see you fight next? And I said Gustafson. I think that's the fight that makes the most sense for both of you. It gets you right back in there. The winner could very well be the number one contender. What do you think?
7: If that's the case, yes. I mean, he's got the biggest name. Um... We're both coming off of a loss, so it makes sense, you know. So if if that's the case, yes. If if the winner, if they say Daniel, you and Alexander fight, and uh, the winner will get a title shot against Anthony or John, then yes. But I mean, any of those guys, you know. I don't. I don't. I've never. I've never once picked a fight. You know, the UFC has always called me and said, Daniel, you're fighting this guy. You're fighting this guy. You know, I. 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 I uh, when I fought John for the belt, I had fought Patrick Cummins and Dan Henderson. But that was supposed to be Rashad Evans. Sure. You know, so my my first fight in the division was supposed to be Rashad Evans. So uh, they always tell me, you know, I never turned down a fight. And if I was going to turn down any, it would have been Rashad because we're buddies. But I don't turn down fights. They say, Daniel, you're going to fight this guy. I say, OK. So if it's Alexander Gustafson, OK. If it's uh, anyone else, OK. You know, but it needs to be a guy that has name recognition where the people say, OK. Uh, Daniel beat this guy, let's let's uh, let's either see him fight for the championship again or he's very close. Because to me, it's like Alexander and I realistically are uh, two guys that can fight for the belt. Once you get past us, there's not many in uh, Rashad, you know, but that, they're all rematches. Rashad Gus and I are all rematches and past them, uh, who are you going to put in the cage with John, you know, uh, uh, Bader, who it would also be a rematch or Ovent St. Prue, you know. So uh, the division's pretty top-heavy. And uh, I think I think uh, it'll, it'll end up being one of us fighting for, for the belt, you know. So maybe the golden ticket is Gustafson. Because if Rashad gets Gustafson, Rashad may get the title shot if he wins, you know. Yeah. And, and so maybe Gustafson is the golden ticket.
1: Well, if I look at who's out there, the options for you, Davis, Bader, Evans, Gustafson, those are the four options. And I think the, the, the biggest one and um, the most high-profile one would probably be Gustafson, in my opinion.
7: Yeah, you know, and, 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 yeah, it is. It is the most high-profile fight. I want big fights, man. Once you're involved in a fight like John and I, the magnitude, yeah. you don't really want fights that don't feel the same un- unless it's one thing. Okay? There's a rumor floating around right now that the UFC is going to Louisiana. Oh, yes. Then I wouldn't mind actually not fighting on a, a, a pay-per-view. But if they are going to Louisiana, I would love to, to, to fight there. I would love to headline a card in Louisiana because I think I could sell the place. And also it would get me another five round fight heading into a championship rematch.
1: Gus versus DC in Louisiana.
7: <laughs> Gus got to fight in, in got <laughs> to fight at home, so it's time for him to go fight at somebody else's home.
1: Wow. Have they Not told Ariel, that's the, Yes.
7: That's the prop that's the problem though, Ariel. It's like if you if Alexander and I fight, that should be on pay-per-view because it's yeah. such a big fight. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we're so I would essentially have to give up on the dream of fighting at, at, at home. Uh, in Louisiana because there will be no pay-per-view in Louisiana so uh Alexander and I would be a pay-per-view fight if we were to fight
1: yeah but you'd rather be on the Louisiana card than a pay-per-view next right that means a lot to you
7: I would like to fight at home yeah, yeah I would like to fight at home I think it would be great and plus like just thinking about I don't know when the card is the card could be at the end of the year sure, you know, sure. so I could fight again and then again so I don't know when the card is but um uh if it's late in the year then you know yeah but if Guson and I fight realistically, that should be on a pay-per-view because it's a big fight, you know?
1: By the way, uh, the, the, the rumored numbers, the pay-per-view numbers, the the ratings on Fox Sports 1, the prelims, does that soften hold the on. blow? Yeah, yeah.
7: Hold, hold on a second. My dog is freaking out. Hold on. Okay, okay.
1: Just had a couple more questions for Mr. Cormier, and then we'll get to Jake Matthews. Uh was asking about those rumored numbers, 750,000 uh, pay-per-view buys. That has been reported. The second-highest uh, prelims. Oh, there he is. Look at that little guy. It's
7: Jade. Say hi,
1: Jade. Oh, it's a girl. Hello, Jade. Yeah. You look like a you look like a puppy kind of guy.
7: I, I know she's full grown. Look at her.
1: Look at that. <laughs> um, wanted to ask you just a couple more questions and then we'll let you go. And thanks for the time. Uh, the numbers, the pay per view numbers, does that soften the blow a little bit?
7: Well, you know, it's, it's, that's good. You know, that's a good thing. You know, it's kind of what we expected with everything that that had been going on between John and I. Uh so, yeah, I mean, it's good. You know, obviously you uh, you do well uh, financially whenever whenever you do uh, good numbers.
1: And then what about my cameo on Big Fox on Saturday? I mean, that was oh. big, right? What oh, about, can goodness. we just talk about that for oh, a second?
7: Let's talk about it. Let's talk about the fact <laughs> that you made it. I made it. You have made it onto network television and your mom – Mrs. Helwani was so proud of you. I saw her face on the Skype that you guys were doing down in Sweden. Yeah, and she was so proud. to look on a mother's face when her son finally makes it. She loves what you. What a man.
1: She's right. a big fan of DC. She loves you. She loves me too.
7: She was like, "Oh my goodness, look at her!" I said, "Look at Ariel."
1: And Kurt Menefee <laughs> saying that I'm a historian, that I'm a man of the people. I mean, that was great.
7: Hey, when Kurt Menefee says something about you, you listen. It's yeah, Kurt Menefee is the man. He
1: is the man. What a voice that guy has.
7: <laughs> Mine is the like that.
1: Hey, you're going to be in Vegas this weekend?
7: I'm going to be in Vegas this weekend. Uh, Anderson, doing the, Nick. The, the doing the pay-per-view broadcast, and, and uh, I think I'm going to be playing like a, a poker tournament on Thursday night. So wish me luck. Hopefully well, my luck's a little better than last time I went to Vegas.
1: That is true. But who's your pick, Anderson or Nick?
7: You know what, man? I love Nick Diaz. I think he's great. Uh, but I, I just think the size is going to be a little too much for him, man. It's uh He's Anderson's a big guy. I mean, I stood next to him like this dude is big. He's as big as any of the 205 pound guys.
1: Um, by the way, congrats uh, to your Seahawks and good luck to them in the Super Bowl. I know that was a big deal for you.
7: Yeah. You know, my Seahawks, they got it done, you know, but it's, it's like now I'm torn, you know, it's between uh, my Seahawks and my Patriots, you know, what my Saints kind of bringing up the rear, but uh, <laughs> my Seahawks and my Patriots, you know, it's going to be a, that's gonna be a good one, you know. I, I I watched my Rockets play my uh my Golden State Warriors the other day, and that was also hard for me to do.
1: Yeah, you've been on the Clay Tom. I mean, you were Clay Thompson's guy, like from way back when.
7: Oh, uh, I mean, from the start, I I called that thirty-seven point quarter. I, you you know, I remember in Sweden I go, hey Ariel, Clay's Clay's gonna get him for thirty-seven yeah. tonight in the third.
1: Hey, last question: Royal Rumble. Your thoughts? Did you see
7: it? Best triple threat match of all time: <laughs> Seth Rollins, Brock Lesnar. John Cena, me and my son watched it last night. He was—he thought my, my boy hates when John Cena loses. So for all the boos, that guy comes out and people boo him, uh, uh, John Cena. But the kids, they love him, dude. My son cannot name Brock Lesnar, cannot name Seth Rollins or anyone else. He just knows John Cena loves him. Uh, Brian Stan told me John Cena has done more uh, Make-A-Wish foundations than any athlete in history or, or performer. So, I mean... He's a good guy, and and you could tell by the, the most innocent people in the world, they are drawn to him. They like my son; he, he's done nothing wrong in his life. You know, he's just a kid, right? And he's drawn to that guy as 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 a person. He wants to like, you know. So uh, it was the greatest match ever, Royal Rumble. Mm. The the actual Rumble match was it, you cannot know who's going to win it when it starts, and then it just happens that way. Like, I mean. When it was Roman Reigns and the big show and Kane at the end, I'm like, well, obviously Kane and the big show aren't going to headline WrestleMania. That makes right. no sense whatsoever. <laughs> so he's like, okay, Roman Reigns is going to win and then outruns Rusev from under the ring for the last half an hour. Like, what is going on? Dude? Like, on don't insult me, Eric. Don't insult me. It makes me think Rusev has any chance of headlining WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. I heard Brock was great. Would've, it would have been better if they let – uh, 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 the guy, uh, Daniel Bryan, in there because yeah. then at least you're thinking maybe it could happen. So,
1: I heard I heard yeah. Brock look great though, lean and mean.
7: He physically looked look like he might be ready to get back down to the weight class.
1: Wow, amazing. The
7: boys are gonna be lining up to fight Brock Lesnar yeah. because you know those per review numbers are gonna be good.
1: <laughs> uh, Daniel, a pleasure as always. Thank you so much. It was great working with you in Sweden and uh, flying back home with you as well. Although you were in business, I was in lowly coach. And I look forward to. And yeah, by, I came
7: back and visited. I came back and visited.
1: Yeah, I know you did. Your hair is looking great, by the way. Don't cut it.
7: Hey, my hair looks terrible. I watched TV this weekend. Kevin Jackson, my idol, Olympic champion, and all my friends from wrestling. Were like, what is wrong with DC's <laughs> head? It looks like somebody is shining a mirror from the top of it. It was bad. I need to keep it much shorter.
1: Just like Chicago.
7: <laughs> Just like Chicago <laughs> for <from> boy. <laughs> <at Texas. laughs>
1: Thank you, Daniel. I'll see you in Vegas.
7: All right, Ariel, see you this
1: weekend. There he is, the one and only DC Daniel Cormier. Great stuff from him, as always. Really enjoy having him on the show, and uh, great to see him back on the horse sooner rather than later. Um, In a minute, we're going to be joined by Jake Matthews, another youngster, second youngest fighter in the UFC right now. I say another. I was thinking about Amir Khani. It is approximately 6.57 in the morning where he is calling us from Melbourne, Australia. Of course, Australia, another hotbed for mixed martial arts. And there are rumors of a big show happening down there in around November of this year. So I'm sure he's hoping for that. But, of course, also probably hoping to get back on the horse sooner rather than later. It's the same situation as Joanne Calderwood in a sense, although November is a lot further away than July. So he'll probably get up back on the horse at least once or twice uh, has looked very good in the UFC. He was on Tough Nations, of course. Um, didn't win that show. Went out there, got a win, and then uh, since returning to the UFC, has has looked very good and is one of those those prospects to watch. Eight and zero right now, and uh, certainly climbing up the ranks and getting a lot of attention. And doing so, I believe he is joining us. Yes, he is. Let's go to the Skype machine. Very early in the morning. There he is, Jake Matthews. Jake, how are you?
8: I'm good, thanks, Eric. How are you?
1: So, what time is it over there? Is it, in fact, 6:58 uh, in the morning?
8: Uh, it's, yeah, exactly. 6:58 in the morning. Yeah.
1: Wow. So nice and early. Is this is this uh, is this crazy for you? Are you are you a morning person, or is this is this a big nuisance?
8: Ah, uh, no, I'm, I'm a morning person. I'm always up early, regardless. Um, I always love to get up early and just get the day started
1: so I appreciate I know it's summer over there right
8: uh yeah yeah it's supposed to be but it's not very warm here in Melbourne
1: well I'm not uh I'm not feeling too bad for you you know there's a historic blizzard here in New York City people are freaking out
8: I've heard that yeah they're calling it the blizzard of 2015 I've heard so hope I uh, hope everyone's staying safe
1: uh you you spent some time in uh, in Canada when you were on the the tough nation show and it was snowing over there are you are you a snow kind of guy you do you appreciate the snow, or are you more of a warm weather beach kind of guy?
8: Um, I'm both, but I love the snow. It's but uh, just here here in Australia, we don't have much. I think there's about um, three three mountains in in Victoria where I'm from that that actually have snow on them, and it's only for you know a couple of months at a time a year, so we don't get much here.
1: So you haven't fought in a couple of months, but yet I see I see and correct me if I'm wrong a bit of a black eye over there.
8: Yeah, a little bit had a big um. A big sparring weekend with some of the guys from from uh, the tough nations. Okay. They came down from, uh, and we all uh, converged here in Melbourne. Had a big sparring weekend, so I got a little, little bit beaten up, but um, just recovering at the moment.
1: A lot of people wondering what's next for you. Do you know yet?
8: Uh I have no word, no harm. But uh, you know, I'm, I'm not in any, any rush to have any fights. Uh, I'm only young, so like let's say, it's a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I'm just going to wait it out, see what the UFC have in store for me, um, and just take it by ear.
1: Although I liked very much uh, after your last fight, you called out Joe Ellenberger, so you seem to be the kind of guy who knows what, what what he wants. You know who you want next now because I don't know if Joe makes sense right now.
8: Yeah, well, at the time it did. Yeah. Um, you know, Joe. I think was uh, we're both one and know in the UFC, um, and Joe has a big name behind him. He's, uh, you know, Jake Ellen, Ellenberger's brother, so people would want to watch that fight. They know who he is, uh, so it made sense. Um, yeah, but he unfortunately came off an, off a loss, so. Um, yeah, I didn't have anyone else in mind. Uh, at this point, it's just whoever the UFC uh, think I'm ready for, um, and I'm just ready for for a step up. So and you're just get the job done again. You're
1: you're you're 20 years old, right? Yeah, that's right. Yep. Second youngest fighter in the UFC. In a million years, did you ever think at 20 you'd be doing this on this stage, the major leagues of MMA?
8: Um, it was always the goal to you know to get in. I always wanted to get in young, try and be like one of the youngest UFC fighters. Um. But yeah, you know, in reality, I always thought, I always thought about mid twenties uh, when I've had a, uh, a lot of fights, got the experience up. Um, yeah, but I worked really hard. I was training uh, up to, you know, twice a day even when I wasn't fighting in the UFC. So I guess when you put in the work, uh, it sort of makes sense. But um, yeah, now it's just a, it was a big privilege to be one of the youngest UFC fighters.
1: So as I mentioned, you were on Tough Nations. Uh, it didn't go your way. Was it hard because you know a lot of those guys on that show, they're a lot older than you, a lot more mature. I mean, they've been through a lot. You're just a youngster. You're in your teens. Far away from home, I mean, as far as possible. You're in Canada, up north, Montreal, all that stuff. Was that just difficult being away? Were you homesick?
8: Um, yeah, a little bit, but yeah, that's not no excuse to you know to not win the fight. I just didn't perform on that day. Um, it was it was a different environment without the crowd, and you know you have all the crap cameras, and there's no entrance music, and it's a bit quiet. Um, so it was a little bit different, uh, and that was the first time I'd ever fought in the inside inside an octagon. Uh, all my other previous fights have been inside a, a boxing ring. Um, uh, as I think most people know, uh, in here in Victoria, the, the octagon was illegal, so all my fights have been in a ring before that. But um, yeah, the environment was a little bit different. But I just you know, didn't get the job done on the day.
1: So has has the ban on the uh, the cage in Victoria? Has it been officially lifted?
8: Um, well, uh, not as of yet. But um, the the government party that um, wants the, the cage to be legal. Um, they're, they're now in um, they're now in power, so hopefully we'll get overturned soon and we can get a UFC event going here in Melbourne.
1: From what I understand, after the show, you uh, decided to go to Albuquerque to train with the Jacksons team, and you thought you were going to get a call. You were with Kyle Noak over there to fight in the UFC, but the call never came. You had to go back home, get a fight, then you got the call. How disheartening was it to go over there to, to, to move away from home to be on your own again and never get that call.
8: Um, yeah, it, it was hard. That, that wasn't the reason I went over to Albuquerque. I just, you know, wanted to go over and and really measure myself against those guys that are, you know, in the top echelon of the UFC. Um, you know, and, and just experience that different environment over there. Uh, I'd never really been over to the, over to the states, let alone trained over there. So it was good to measure myself against those guys, see where I was at, what I need to work on. Um, and yeah, when I found out that I wasn't going to be on the, on the finale, I was a little bit yeah, disheartening, but, um, I called my dad, spoke to my dad and he just said, you know what, uh, I'm going to get back in there, get, you know, get the wins up, um, and we'll be back in there by year's end. Um, so we did that and yeah, got the call up for, uh, UFC in Auckland.
1: So it's interesting that you mentioned your father, your father is your coach, correct? Yeah, that's right. Your brother, who's around 16, 17 right now?
8: Yeah, he just turned 17 in November.
1: 17, he's your main sparring partner.
8: Yeah, he was um, Yeah, back from my Auckland fight. Now we've got a, a good team together with Daniel Kelly, uh, Richard Walsh, Brendan O'Reilly, who all converge um, either in Sydney or in Melbourne and, and spar now. So I've got some other sparring partners. But for that fight, we had a a 6-meter by 4-meter sort of shed in the backyard, and that was my main gym for my fight in Auckland. And wow. Yeah, my little brother was one of my main training partners for that fight. So it's stepped up a bit now. I've got my own gym, um, a nice big facility, and, and good training partners together. So, um, yeah, so people can expect another step up in my level again.
1: But you say your own gym. Do you own the gym?
8: Yeah, yeah, I do, yep. yep. Wow. Um, myself and my dad.
1: That's amazing. And what does your mom do? Uh, she's a part of the team as well, right?
8: Uh, yeah, my mom, my mom sort of... Uh, i guess my nutritionist she cooks all my food make sure that's amazing um you know, my diet's all in key yeah still still makes my bed for me in the morning so <laughs> lovely she takes care of me and uh, she's always front row supporting
1: and your brother does he want to be a pro fighter as well
8: um uh he, has, he hasn't had a fight as of yet um i guess you know it's sort of up to him he, he loves training he loves being around the gym um you know loves hanging around all, with all the guys from the gym so i guess um Wait till, he, till he's old enough, and if he wants to jump in there, he can. Uh, he's definitely going to be a be a monster. He's, you know, he's already given me a hard time. He's only 17, so um, yeah, he's definitely going to be a be a good fighter if he chooses to go down that path.
1: Life must be so amazing for a 19, 20 year old fighting in the UFC, being on TV. I mean, you must be the belle of the ball. What 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 do some of your friends do? Like, what what are their typical jobs? Or if they probably are in school, I bet, right?
8: Um, yeah, I've got I've got friends in school. I've got friends that are in the workforce. Um, yeah, they're either, yeah, either either studying, um, I've got friends that work, you know, from anything from, um, pulling, pulling telephone cable, uh, I've got friends studying law, um, so it's just from one extreme to the other, uh, but they're all, they're all just normal people, I don't really have any, too many, you know, good mates that are fighters, they're all just average guys, and I sort of like it that way, you sort of get, a, get to get away from the gym, away from fighting, just hang out with your mates, um. And sort of just not think about fighting for a few, at least a few hours a day.
1: Do they all support you go to your fights?
8: Yeah, they all support me. They all uh, all came up for the Sydney Sydney event, um, and even even before UFC, they're always front row. Um, and they've been my mates since since you know early days in high school. So it's good to have that support around.
1: Why is your nickname the Celtic Kid?
8: Um, well, at the time we came up with the, the nickname, my um, my great grandma. Um, passed away and she put together a, like a heritage book like an ancestry book um, you know following our lineage back and we found out that we um, originally came from Scotland um, so we wanted to throw the Celtic in there and I was only about 16 at the time so you know we sort of threw it together Celtic kid and uh, yeah it's just stuck ever since.
1: So do you really want to fight on that Scotland card that was just announced?
8: Uh, I, just, I just saw the card yesterday that was announced um Oh, I'd love, to, I'd love to fight in Scotland. I've never been there. Um, you know, be able to go, go see some distant relatives, and just be able to fight. You know, in, in a, in a country you know where my roots are from. Um, and I think, with a Celtic kid, you know, I think it would just work. So I'd love to get out there and, and get a, get a fight in that Glasgow card.
1: And uh, from what, from what I understand as well, you're a big Conor McGregor fan.
8: Yeah, I'm a massive Conor McGregor fan. Why? Just, just the way he goes about. Um, not only fighting, but the way you know he promotes himself, um, he's probably the best self-promoter in the game. And his fighting style, you know, he backs it up. He just destroys everyone. I, you know, it's hard to see anyone beating him. He's just that guy at the moment. That just, you know, when the Oda Machita was, um, you know, at his peak, and John Jones, you just can't see him being beaten. And I just really like his fighting style. And um, yeah, he's just just a, just a good fighter.
1: And coincidentally, you're now represented by his management team, Paradigm.
8: That's right. I'm the new member on Paradigm. I'm super excited, uh, especially you know signing at the start of the year. And I, I know 2015 is going to be a big year. To, so to have them behind me, yeah, you know, I can't wait to see what they've got in store for me.
1: Did you reach out to them because they were Connor's guys, or did they reach out to you?
8: Uh, uh, they, they contacted me. Um, I've, I've heard of them before, and it was a sort of coincidence. Um, myself and my manager Gary Scott, who's actually joined up with Paradigm now, um, we were actually looking at Paradigm and a couple of others to to approach. Um, just so happened that they approached me at the exact same time.
1: When you were growing up, you know Conor wasn't around, of course. Who was the guy that you tried to emulate, that you dreamed of fighting like? When you were growing up, um, You're growing James up right now, but you know when you were younger.
8: Okay. Uh, yeah, George St. Pierre was always the guy, and uh, for me, he's, he's still he's still my all time favorite. Um, I always sort of try to emulate him inside the octagon, uh, and but more so outside the way he's humble. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's humble in victory and defeat. Um, he just carries himself like a professional athlete, uh, so I definitely try and you know try and be like George um, in every aspect of the game.
1: And as I mentioned earlier, there 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 are some talks of the UFC holding uh, a massive event in Melbourne next November, this coming November. Fifty five thousand people could be very well the biggest event in UFC history. I'm assuming that's a goal of yours, right? You want to be on that card?
8: Oh, I will be on that card. Absolutely, I'm going to do everything in my power to get on it. Yeah, I want to be I want to be the the Melbourne guy on the card. You know, I want to be the, the draw card that everyone wants to come and see. Um, yeah, that's going to come with winning winning fights before that. So I'm going to get in there, get the job done, and um, close out the year with a with a big, you know, big um, performance and a big win in Melbourne.
1: Can they really sell out a 55,000 seat arena? Can they, can they actually? Is it is it that popular there?
8: Uh, UFC in Melbourne is the is the mecca for UFC in Australia. Huh. Um, the events huh. in Sydney and Queensland, I think it would be safe to say that half the crowd in those events came up from Melbourne. Um, just massive following, massive support here in Melbourne for the UFC. Um, so I believe that they'd sell it out, and it would sell it fast.
1: Well, I wish you the very best, Jake. Thank you so much for waking up early for us and coming on the show, and uh, congratulations on your early success in the UFC. Best of luck, and I look forward to your next fight and seeing you on that Melbourne card later on this year.
8: Thanks, Eric. My pleasure.
1: All right, there he is, Jake Matthews. Remember that name, a very big prospect in the UFC coming up. He has won his first two fights, defeated Wagner Hosha uh, in November, defeated Deshaun Johnson, 155 pounds. Earlier I said he was 170. Um, But uh, the Celtic kid, as he calls himself. I said Celtic. I wonder what's the difference between Celtic and Celtic. I mean, I know they're they're spelt the same way, but what is the difference? Someone let me know. All right, show coming to an end, but we have one more guest to go. As I mentioned, UFC One Eighty Three prelims are fantastic. Really great stuff. John Lineker going up against. Ian Uncle Creepy McCall, number one contender, could potentially come out of that fight. Derek Brunson versus Ed Herman. Remember, that fight was supposed to take place in December. Brunson, sick, had to pull out. Rafael Natal versus Tom Watson. Solid fight at 185 pounds. I feel like those two have fought like a thousand times already. And then the featured prelim fight is Misha Tate versus our guest at this time, Sarah McMahon. Sarah, how are you?
6: Hey, I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Thanks for joining us. Um, were you were you surprised that your fight wasn't on the pay per view card?
6: Um, yeah, actually, I was a little bit surprised by that. Um, considering that we're both high ranked and um, Misha's pretty, you know, popular and uh, well known, so I I actually thought that was pretty surprising.
1: Are you disappointed?
6: Oh, no, no, I don't, I really don't care as much, (laughs) but I'm surprised. Uh, This is, I'm happy that I get to watch the main card. Sure.
1: (laughs) You'll be, uh, you'll be done and and hopefully for yourself celebrating a win. And then you get to watch the great Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. Um, this is a fight that you were asking for, you were campaigning for. Why did you want it so badly?
6: Well, um, I haven't, I had a hard time getting people who wanted to fight me, um, And I knew, like, some girls were, you know, like, maybe had other fights lined up. But since I thought, okay, Misha just came fresh off of a fight um, and a win against an undefeated opponent. And I thought, you know, Misha's pretty game for this, you know, for higher level fights. So I thought it would be a really good fit for me. And I want to fight the top-ranked girls. So she's high-ranked, coming off a win. You know, I thought it was um, a smart matchup.
1: And and you kind of had to chase her, which doesn't really seem like your style. Did you feel like if you didn't go out there and and get aggressive on social media and all that, you wouldn't get this fight?
6: Yeah, I I started to get the feeling that it was going to be a lot harder unless I start really asking for people. And, you know, even forcing them to say no to me instead of it being behind closed doors to say, no, I'm not going to fight her, you know, or, you know, try to avoid it. So... It is kind of. I feel like it's almost like peer pressuring people into into taking the fight. But you know, I think that you know she's she's game for it. Right.
1: And are you are you are you comfortable with that? Like from now on, are we going to see a more aggressive Sarah McMahon calling her shots?
6: Not not in a disrespectful way. Sure, sure. Um, but yeah, I think that in life, you know, like you're not going to get anything if you don't even ask for it. So I'm kind of taking that approach to it that. If I don't ask, if I don't, you know, try to generate interest, if I don't try to say, hey, you know, UFC, like, people would want to see this fight, you know, this is something that could make you money or whatever, you know, then what reason do they have to, to put on the show, you know? So I will be a little bit more outspoken about it, but never, you know, never disrespecting the people that I fight because, you know, they're the ones out there. They're the ones putting it on the line. They're doing this for a living, so... I don't feel disrespectful towards
1: them. Was that a lesson you learned, you know, the whole Ronda Rousey fight, you were in the the main event, the spotlight, and you were a little reserved, and I know the fight, you know, came together very quickly, um, and and she was the big draw and the champion, and she does more of the media, but, you know, you were criticized a little bit for not putting yourself out there. Did you learn that lesson from all of that?
6: Um, Actually, probably not. I don't... um... I know it's terrible. I, I know that um, I could put myself out there more, but what people also don't realize is that that means that I will be taking things that are more private and personal and sharing it with the entire world. You know, and that's something that there's some things I'm very comfortable sharing with the entire world, and some things I really wouldn't wouldn't like to. And so. If it means that I get a little less attention, then you know, then that's okay. Like I, I know when to pick the things that mean something to me, and they don't.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we we spoke about this briefly uh, off camera, if you will, in, in private, leading up to the fight, and even just a couple of days ago, you, know, you were going through a lot personally at the time, which you know, an outsider would say, well, this would get people to be a fan of yours and and, and to want to root for you more because if they knew what you were going through, perhaps it would make you, you know, you know, um, more of a fan favorite. They'd get emotionally invested in the fight. They'd want to pull for you, root for you, all that stuff, but you chose not to discuss it. And, and correct me if I'm wrong here. Are you willing to speak about what you were going through last year at around this time when you were about to fight Ronda Rousey? Yeah, I'm, I'm more
6: comfortable. I think now, cause I'm like, um, the situation's a lot farther past, you know, and I've had a lot of time to, to come to terms with it. But, um, yeah, um, before the fight, um, actually the reason why I pulled out of my fight against Sarah Kaufman um, in last August was because shortly after I accepted the fight, um, my dad uh, had cancer, had come back, and he chose not to do chemotherapy. So he was just basically choosing that he was just going to you know, live with the cancer until it it killed him. And it's a very, like, the cancer that came back was very aggressive. Um, So that's I decided that I would rather spend time with my father than prepare for a fight because I didn't know. I mean, the doctor told me that he could have, you know, just weeks to live, you know, before he could be, like, delirious and not be able to communicate. So um, I was you know, traveling up there. I just basically wasn't really training. I was focusing more on spending time with him before he passed away. And then, and then I got the call, uh, to fight Rhonda.
1: And then from what I understand that kind of lifted his spirits as well, right?
6: Yeah. Um, so he'd gone like months, uh, you know, deciding that he wasn't going to do chemotherapy and he wasn't going to live. And, um, the fight, you know, happened. And basically it was essentially presented to me as, you know, you, if you don't take this fight, you may never get a chance to fight Rhonda. She might go into movies. This could be your only opportunity. And, um, so like I, I was really struggling with it cause I really hadn't been training and, you know, things were really hard for me emotionally. I'm a huge daddy's girl. So that was really hard for me. Um, but when I, I, I accepted the fight and, uh, my dad was like the first person that I told about it. And he decided because of that, that he was going to go through chemotherapy because he didn't want to die before he got to see me fight.
1: Wow. That is unbelievable. Um, was he at your fight yeah. against Rhonda?
6: No, because um, his immune system was still really compromised. Okay. So um, he, still ha- having, he still was going through chemotherapy. And so he watched it from uh, home.
1: How is he doing now?
6: He's been really good. Um, the chemotherapy was, um, you know, it was very strong, and uh, they they were really aggressive with it, and um, he has the kind of cancer, it's lymphoma, but his type of cancer is very receptive to treatment, so um, he's, I mean, he he struggles because he has, like, the, there's a lot of after effects of going through chemotherapy, you know, with your body, but you know, the other option is probably far worse considering you're not alive. So. Sure. <laughs> but, um, you know, he has different, different, you know, pain or like a uh, struggle using his legs and different things like that. So, but he's here and, you know, like essentially like no matter how that fight would have gone, I got more time with my dad. So it was going to be a win for me either way. <laughs>
1: So this might sound like a bit of a crazy statement, but or a question, but is it possible that you just getting the Ronda fight help save his life?
6: No, that absolutely is what happened. He was in, he was not going to take chemotherapy, and like the you could, his lymph nodes around his neck were swelling so bad, like he literally was on the brink of death. And like, I mean, we had hospice nurse, nurses coming to our house. Like, every time that I drove up there, I was very aware of the fact that it was probably the last time that I was ever going to see my dad, you know? Wow. So, he really, like, cut it so unbelievably close to death. It is ridiculous.
1: And what are they saying about his, his, his long-term future now?
6: Um, he's doing great. His body responded well. I mean, they, they it's in remission, so wow. we really hope that it doesn't uh, ever come back, but... He responded very well to it. Um, you know, he didn't even really lose that much weight this time going through chemotherapy. He didn't lose his hair like he did the, the first time. So he really, his body is very hardy. You know, like very, very strong because chemotherapy is like it's kind of poison in your body. You mm-hmm. know, like you're poisoning your body to kill off as much cancer as you can, and you know, which also kills healthy cells. But he did really well. Was it only, just by the time I saw he only had one. Uh, one more treatment left
1: wow and, and he hasn't had to have any since then no
6: nope. I mean he had a, um, a pet scan which is a scan of your entire body and they said that he doesn't have any any cancer cells that they can detect
1: was this one of those things where right away he decided when he heard about the fight okay because like it must take a lot for a person I, I I've, I've known people who have been in this situation as well to say I don't want to do chemo anymore so was it right away, or did he think about it? I mean, how, how did he react to that? Because that's an unbelievable shift from just saying, I'm going to stop doing this and see what happens.
6: Um, it was, um, I think it was like a day. I mean, it was a very short turnaround. Um, he, was, he was pretty excited when I told him about it. And, um, you know, like I, I kind of just thought in my mind, like, I hope that he can survive until then, but I didn't really was you know, looking at him, I didn't think that there was a strong possibility, but I never, in telling him, I never expected that he would, like he was very firm that, that he was going to, I mean, they, he divided all of his things to give to people when he passed away. Like he knew what he wanted done with his body. Whenever he passed away, like we'd gone through everything. So I was, uh, I was really shocked and extremely happy when he decided that
1: were you going to say no. And then he said to you, I'll, I'll, I'll go back on it. If you take the fight, like, was he the reason you also took the fight?
6: No. Um, the reason I took the fight is because at that time too, I was really struggling, you know, like, um, I've lost people in the past. And when somebody's like, kind of just ripped and taken from you, it's, you know, like you have a different kind of set of emotions that you go through but um, I'd never lost anybody slowly and and watched them lose, like, little bits of their, you know, like, capabilities and, uh, you know, and watch them, like, in pain. And so, like, I was really struggling, you know. Like, I even, I went on antidepressants. Like, I, I was drowning, you know. So, like, taking the fight, like, I think that um, I thought the opportunity was going to be gone as part of it. And then... I needed something. Like I needed something to look forward to have hope, you mm-hmm. know, and to, and I trained my whole life. Like it was training, it was like a coping mechanism for me. And so like, I knew that I needed to, I needed to prepare for something. I needed to be in the practice room. Like I, not practicing was I it making it even harder for me to deal with losing my dad.
1: Looking back, were you not That's in the, of, sorry?
6: Um, no, go ahead.
1: Looking back, were you? Is it possible that you weren't in the right mental mind frame to fight the champion? Big stage, first main event in the UFC. Do you, do you think the stuff that you were dealing with personally affected your performance?
6: You know, I I think about it, and I just don't know. You know, because I've actually um, I've competed a lot with different things going on, and I know that like stuff like that can affect you mentally, like if, if we were talking about somebody else, I would say, oh, well, of course that affected them, you know, but when it comes to me, I think that like, I feel a little bit more stubborn about things, so um, I wouldn't, I would never turn around and blame anything on on certain factors, and I I feel like I was very physically prepared, and as far as athletically, I think that I was, you know, really good, but I can't, I really can't deny that I started my camp in a really, you know, dark place. And that mm-hmm. I was struggling with a lot of different emotions before I said yes to this fight, you know, and, and the UFC knew that. <laughs> so,
1: Did they try to get you to speak about it and, and do countdown shows and all that and, and you say no to them? Because it's pretty amazing that this never came out before a main event title fight against Ronda Rousey. Did that ever come to you know to light? Did they ever say we want you to speak about this so that we can promote you a little more?
6: No, um, they, nobody had you know talked to me about it, um, okay. and I think they kind of knew that. Like I like to keep things private, but they the people who did. I think it was the countdown. They tried to surprise me, oh. and they're like they said something about like, "Well, how are you feeling now that your dad died?" And oh. he <laughs> obviously hadn't died, so I like looked at them and I was like, "My dad's alive." And they're like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry." You know, like I think they tried to catch me off guard. Oh. And I was just like, and then that was like all that was said about it. So I was like, oh, they definitely know, but maybe you know, I don't. I don't know. Like, if they were trying to get like a candid sure. reaction, but they got one. I was like, what? <laughs>
1: You know, I remember noting how uh, classy you were in defeat, and especially it was a very uh, controversial finish. A lot of people thought that Herb Dean stopped the fight too early, but because at that point you said your dad, you know, had just one more um, chemo session left. He, you know, he was almost in the clear. Was it was it easier to swallow that pill? The the frustration of the loss, the controversy, all that, because you knew that bigger things were happening and more positive things. I mean. At the end of the day, it's just, you know, a sporting event and your father was, you know, turning the corner and feeling a lot better. Is that why you handled it so well?
6: Um, yeah, that, that definitely is part of it. And, um, also knowing that I have a lot of really wonderful things in my life. So I know that, you know, even though it hurts to lose, like I, I really do have, you know, a lot to be thankful for. Um, and and part of it is that I'm I'm not entirely surprised, you know. Like, I think that if somebody like Rhonda, you know, is that, you know, makes that much money for the UFC and, you know, is that, you know, popular or whatever, it's going to be extremely hard. Like, I, I knew going into the fight that even if it goes to a decision, I don't care if she looked like I mauled her, you know, it would be very difficult to pull off a decision. Mm. So, um, I trained with the anticipation that if I didn't finish her, whether it be by strikes or, you know, submission, that I'm probably not winning that fight, you know? And, and that, that really is how I approach it. You know, like you see decisions that you don't agree with all the time. So, I mean, against somebody who is that, you know, powerful in the UFC. Yeah. You have to anticipate that.
1: But do you think you know, that came in the in, real world? Do you think that came into play when Herb Dean was reffing the fight? Cause he doesn't work for the UFC.
6: No, I mean I don't know. I don't. I don't know. It could have been because, like, it could have been a number of factors. It could be because we're females. It could be because other fights had gone on longer. You know, like it could be that that was just his natural assessment of the situation. You know, I mean, I, I really don't. But I, but I go in there, not thinking that everything's sweet and nice and fair. You know, and I think that you. You have to know that if you're living in the real world that right. things aren't set up equally and fair. So it's better to know the situation that you're probably in and account for it.
1: Do you watch it a lot, that fight?
6: Uh, no, I don't watch it. I I watch it like I've watched it a few times um, more to see what I technically did right and wrong. Mm-hmm. And then I just put it behind me.
1: Do you think because it was controversial you'll get another shot? Are you confident of that, or do you, do you have your doubts as well?
6: No, I think I will get another shot. I think that um, there's not a lot of girls that are coming up that are showing that they would make you know a good sell for a title fight, and I think that what I did in the previous minute before the knee is, was exciting, and that's something that people would want to see where it leads, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Do you feel like Misha gets you that other shot, or do you still think you have a, a few more fights to go?
6: No, I think it, Misha definitely does. I think a dominant win over Misha will put me right there to fight Rhonda.
1: Wow. Um, and wondering, is, is your father going to be there on Saturday?
6: I hope so. Oh, no, 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 not, not this Saturday. Okay. No, he's not. Yeah. But I, if I fight Rhonda again... He will be there. I hope that he'll be able to.
1: But he'll be yeah. watching on Saturday. Yes. That's great. I mean, my
6: family, like, my family and friends don't exactly love uh, <laughs> watching me fight. Sure. And they love me chasing my dreams. But they're like, we don't really want you. Like, when you retire, we're all going to be a little bit happier.
1: <laughs> they prefer you do something else at this point.
6: <laughs> I think it's just too hard on their nerves, you right. know?
1: And you're 34. I mean, do you have a cap as uh, as to how long you want to go?
6: Well, I think that at, like, 35, I'll reevaluate and look and see how my body is feeling, you know, how I'm feeling as far as, like, my athletic peak, um, you know, like where I'm at with, like, my daughter, and then I'll, I'll decide from there. So it's more like that's – I don't know. Um, I thought that maybe I would already be at the point where – you know, my body would say, "Okay, we're done with this," but I haven't really reached that point yet. So I'm just kind of—I mean, any fight could be my last fight.
1: Sure. Um, how does your daughter feel about her mom fighting?
6: She likes it. <laughs> she thinks it's cool. I she, bet. My um, she's asked like, "Are you going to be a fighter when you grow up?" Like your mom. She's like, "Yep," and she just smiles. So
1: that's amazing. It's cool. How old is she?
6: <laughs> yeah, she's five.
1: And does she go to your fights?
6: Um, so she doesn't come to my fights just because it's a little bit it's a little bit too hard with interviews and cutting weight and, you know, everything that, that goes on before. And I kind of have to, um, a little bit detach from the caring, nurturing mommy role mm-hmm. and kind of get into the, you know, like, you know, fighter, I'm gonna go out there and try to hurt somebody role. So it gives me a couple days, like, buffer to Sure kind of shift gears.
1: Does she watch them, though, live or after the fact? Yeah. Wow. Yeah,
6: she does. She likes watching my fights.
1: <laughs> that must be wild, especially for her friends, you know, to tell her friends that. I, I, I can't imagine what the what the, the parents think at her, at her school about her mom, the fighter. You must be the coolest parent there.
6: <laughs> yeah. They all come up to me and they're like, we're going to be rooting for you Saturday. <laughs> like, they're all, like... They, I, I never thought in the South that it would be as embraced as it is. So, But they're very supportive.
1: Well, I wish you the best of luck. Um, thank you for sharing that story with us. And most importantly, I'm so happy to hear that your father is doing better. That's, uh, that's tremendous news, amazing news. And, uh, and, and, and hopefully, you know, that, that he can have a, a long and healthy life and watch you compete or soon not compete um, for, for many, many years yeah. to come. So really, really happy to hear that, Sarah. All the best to you. This is a, a great fight headlining the Fox Sports 1 prelims on Saturday night in Las Vegas. Sarah McMahon versus Misha Tate, two of the very best at 135 pounds. A pleasure to speak to you as always, and once again, my very best to your father, and hope everything goes well from here on out. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much to Sarah McMahon for joining us. Uh, great stuff from her, some, some, some pretty heavy stuff. Um, you know, as I mentioned, I, I did know a little bit about it last year, but she didn't want to speak about it, and I respected that very much. Uh, but now that her father is doing better, she was willing to do so, and I respect that very much. So uh, all the best to her and her family, and looking forward to that fight. That is a great fight coming up Saturday night in Las Vegas, UFC 183. Just days away now, Anderson Silva versus Nick Diaz. Going to be a great one. I'll run down the card, and then I'll say goodbye. Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz, of course. Woodley, Gaslam, Lozon, Iaquinta, Lightus versus Boch. How about Jordan Meehan versus Tiago Alves? A great fight at 170. And then you got Misha Tate versus Sarah McMahon. Herman versus Brunson. McCall Lineker. Natal w- uh, Watson. And then on the Fight Pass prelims, Brandao against Jimmy Heddes, That's fun. Um, Alcantara versus Morea. And Tiago Santos versus Andy Enns. That's this Saturday on Pay-Per-View, FS1, and Fight Pass. I will be there. Hopefully, I'll be there. Flight like, got canceled, then rebooked. But I think... I think I'll be there at some point, hopefully. Alex, you can hit my music. We got to go. No time for Inside the Vault this week because we got to get out of here. There is a blizzard outside, my friends, but we did the show. We did a great show. So congratulations to all of us and congratulations to all of you for watching. And by the way, speaking of congratulations, I want to thank Fighters Only for nominating me once again for the World MMA Awards. And I want to thank all the fans who voted for me. The awards are taking place this Friday. So if you're going to UFC 183 and you have nothing to do Friday night, I don't know if the general public can go. I think you can. Anyhow, the awards are taking place this Friday at the Venetian. And uh, I really want to thank everyone who voted for myself and also for MMAFighting.com. We won last year, so who knows? The voting is done now, but... Before the show, I wanted to thank everyone. I wanted to remember that. I also want to thank everyone uh, in Stockholm that had the, the pleasure of meeting. What an amazing place, a beautiful place. By the way, I got the meatballs. I had the berries as well. Fantastic. You should go there just for the meatballs and the berries. Really great. Really enjoyed being over there. That was a great atmosphere. And uh, hope to go back sooner rather than later. I want to thank everyone who tuned in today, especially live. And uh, all the best to everyone on the East Coast as this blizzard comes through. Everyone stay safe, warm, and all that good stuff. My thoughts, my wishes, my my good feelings go out to the people on the East Coast who are about to be hit by this thing. Thank you very much to Dominic Cruz. Good luck to him. Thank you very much to Toss Lightes. Good luck to him this Saturday. Thank you very much to Ryan Calderwood. Makwan Amir Khani. Great stuff. Daniel Cormier as well. Thank you very much to Jake Matthews. and. Best of luck to Sarah McMahon, who fights this Saturday. UFC 183, Anderson Silva, Nick Diaz. Can't wait for it. We'll see you on Monday. Until then, I say peace. I'm out of here.